Welcome to Lack of Focus, an X-Wing Miniatures Game podcast, brought to you by Dice 8 Productions. Hello everybody and welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus, episode 63, V-Wings and Tri-Fighters. I am your host, Ed Horner, and alongside me tonight, one Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good, how are you doing tonight, Ed? Good, good. And of course, our producer extraordinaire, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good, thanks, Ed. Unfortunately, we are recording on an off night tonight, uh, so Chad will not be joining us this evening. Uh, so we're going to go over a couple of things real quick. Obviously, uh, FFG has uh, spoiled a couple of ships in the V-Wings and the Tri-Fighters. Really looking forward to getting to that. Um, the main topics tonight, though, are some other things because of you know the current environment and the world that we live in today, obviously not a lot of us are getting out and getting X-Wings on the table. So we're kind of curious to see what everyone's been playing outside of the game of X-Wing. Uh, and then we have an interesting uh, um, commentary co- topic I like uh, with uh, what do we think that X-Wing is going to look like post-pandemic. So a whole bunch of cool stuff on this one. So let's start off, of course, with what we've been doing lately in the flight deck. Sean, what have you been doing lately, my friend? Uh, not a whole lot. Played some D&D, as uh, some people may know. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. We were just talking about that before we started recording. That was a, a really good session. If you haven't had the opportunity, you should be checking out Chris's channel for some of the uh, the video of us playing D&D. We got into a really cool, badass boss battle this past uh, this past Monday night. I don't want to spoil anything for it, but it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yes, there uh, there, there was death. So that was yes, funny. there was death. We almost we were on the verge of a TPK. <laughs> it was close, not as close as I would have liked, but <laughs> not as close as I would have liked. He says, oh, um, I am actually behind on the editing for those, so I'm gonna endeavor on Saturday. This one, I can probably get this edited tonight after we've finished while we uh, while we actually play Among Us, and then um, I will be aiming to try and get all the D done at least two episodes and then if i get time on sunday i'll do some more so by the end of this weekend so before this episode is out theoretically we'll be caught up on D. hopefully Ooh. touch wood good so aside from D, what else have you been playing my friend what else have you been doing not a whole lot um some civ 6 with some friends of mine in a multiplayer cloud game but i, I suck it i don't know enough about it yet so i gotta keep learning and keep playing. But other than that, I really haven't had time uh, to do much uh, in the last couple of weeks. It's just been, uh, my weekends have been very, very heavily filled with stuff I edited. So, so I heard that hopefully, uh, hopefully in the near future, we'll be getting back to my son and I'll be getting back to gaming, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, Chris, how about you? What have you been up to lately? Um, I have been doing some, um, some computer gaming, some squadrons, some we're recording this on a Friday night, but we do have something coming up tomorrow night, correct? Uh, yeah, we're gonna join the crates, I think, for the uh, squadrons tournament and uh, win ourselves a patch for participating. I don't think I'm Worst sure. Have you seen? Have you seen the patch for that, Ed? For a, a I, I have prize? not. You you had mentioned that there was a participation prize. I just. I'm only in it for the gaming. Um, if I get a cool patch, that'll be awesome. And th- it's, it's cool. I've not had to take, take a look to see what they're doing for it. I'm mostly just interested in getting in an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter blowing hey, some I'll, shit up. <laughs> there you go. I'll upload it into the uh, podcast crap. Ooh, 
There you go. That's what uh, you'll get a physical. Oh, patch. that's cool. Yeah, Chris is going to mail them all out to people who play. So that's really cool, and that's happening. Uh, and they did. I, I know you're going to catch this at the end. You're not going to actually be able to. This is not going to be news to you if you're hearing it yeah. now. But they do intend to stream it and drop into in, into some games as well. Yeah, Chris has uh, been helping him set up a stream um, for that, but. Is just going to sit and commentate and talk about squadrons while people are playing. And the idea is everyone will be on the Discord server counting to the matches because there's no private matchmaking yet. Um, and then hope that you get paired up against an, another team who's competing. And then the team with the most wins will get a um, a COVID mask with the crate skull on it uh, each. <laughs> and then everyone who plays gets uh, one of these patches. Good. Just- it's good fun and um, get That's people together playing games. So, yeah, be good. I'm looking forward to it. I, I got one game in when they did the trial tournament. So I won that and I was playing on the winning team. So theoretically, I was on the winning team of the last tournament. Ooh. From my so one the other, game. The other catch to that, though, is because you said because there's no pairing, we're basically just going to kind of like all hit the buttons at the same time and hope that we get paired against each other? So it worked out pretty well last time. I'd say just pulling feels good, man, percentages. Um, like, you know, 80, 90% of the games were against fellow teams because you're, you're playing as a full five stack. So I believe a matchmaking primarily looks for another full five stack first and you both join the queue at the same time and everyone's MMR is about the same because of the bug. So uh-huh. generally, we're all playing. Is it a bug or is it like they're just waiting to kind of like I don't know? Oh, it's That's definitely gonna... a bug. I it screwed me up. My uh, I got dropped down to zero points I, as I should have hit hotshot two. It dropped Ooh. me down to zero points. So I'm stuck. I'm hard stuck. Hotshot one is my displayed ranking, but I'm displaying as having zero points. And the problem with it is now because of the way that matchmaking the MMR systems work. If you lose to a team who has a lower rate, uh, if it's a one-up versus one game, and I was playing you, because I now have a zero MMR, I've, I have a lowest possible, so you, the, the system thinks you should beat me. So if I beat you, you will lose a lot of points, and I, yeah. don't, get, and I don't gain them because I'm stuck that's, at zero. That's so over a, an infinite amount of time, everyone will hit zero. Yeah, because over, it'll just yeah, keep dragging people frame. it'll drag everyone down because those the, every game i win removes the points from the system and every game you win the computer thinks you should have won anyway because i'm crap because i've got zero mmr so it is definitely it's 100 percent a bug uh, the, the good thing is if you're really bad and lose like 100 games in a row the mmr system actually loops backwards and it'll just place you into like the grand ace division or whatever it is so what you're saying is I really want to go online and lose <laughs> all the time. That's what you're really saying. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> well, good. Then I should be fine. <laughs> That's not so, entirely true. Like we had a good time whenever, the, if for those that actually listened or at least saw on um, Chris's stream, like we had a pretty good time. We, we got down to a pretty good, at least against the AI system on how to beat out on the capital ships and how to do that. I'm curious. Like, that's why like, I think it's going to be really cool if Chris and I are on, we need to kind of be on the same team is because we've already kind of flown together. We know our strategies and what we're going to be going for kind of thing. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to pick up and the team dynamics the same for pretty much everyone. Like, 
it's not a solve game. I was playing the other night for a couple of games with um, Star Swinger 72, who used to be on the Scum and Villainy podcast, uh, Tyler. Um, he flies interceptors, and they were getting wrecked by A-wings that were using the charged cannon. So you hold the trigger down, charge it up, and then when you release it, because he was yep. just getting one shot by them. And uh, everyone who we've been playing with have disregarded that as a useful gun. So uh, it's still, it's still eye-opening moments at the moment. So still good fun. Ooh. Is Tyler as good at the uh, squadrons as he is at X-Men? Hmm, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, he is, uh, so he's been streaming as well, and he's a good interceptor player. So it fits his mantra then. then yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's an ace player, generally an X-Wing, and he's a good Interceptor player. But he plays quite a lot. I played League of Legends with him. He's one of the people I was playing that with when we were doing that. Um, he's been playing Valorant. Uh, does a fair amount of Twitch streaming, so check him out on Twitch. Is it um, Star Swinger 72 If you search for that, it'll, you'll find him. Cool. Yeah, Tyler's um, a good guy. I like Tyler. Yeah. What else have you been doing? Played some Arkham Horror again. We're getting towards the end of our Circle Undone campaign for the Arkham Horror LCG. Uh, I've finished up some commission painting. Uh, not all of the Nurgle stuff, but a good chunk of it is out of the house now. He, the guy was moving back to BC the other weekend, so he came by, which meant I tried to get as much stuff finished as I could so I didn't have to post it to him. Um, and kind of choosing that commission. Well, it's fine. He's basically paid for everything. He did the same thing you're going to do. He sent me a load of uh, his old models, and that credit paid for uh, all of that. So it will be fine. I don't know if everything I'm going to send you is going to send, because I, I, I'm basically getting a whole new army painted by Chris. I can't wait. Yeah, he wait. did pay for all of the models as well and just sent me the models. So, yeah, whether it gotcha. does all of it or not, it's a different matter. But Gotcha. Um, that I played my first game of Infinity Code 1 because I'd been waiting until all the new stuff was out. And um, it was really good fun. And I completely misread the low-level points meta. Because in so there's two versions of Infinity now. There's like my first Infinity, which is Code 1. And then there's uh, N4, which is the fourth edition, which is just a normal game. In Code 1, you can only run up to 10 models, which is a single command group. And I was like, oh, playing a 15-point game, I can probably fit 10 models in. And you can, if you take like all chaff and a couple of mediocre models. But it turns out the way Infinity works is if you have eight models where there's like the same amount of chaff, but then a really good model who just kills the mediocre ones first and then kills the crap ones, the <laughs> game's over in turn two and everyone's dead. Um, so, yeah, just a little bit of bad play on my side saw me lose that game pretty horrendously uh, and also not reading the mission. So I, that's the thing I love the most about Infinity is the objectives and the missions and the, how the scoring works is so good. Uh, it's literally possible to win a game of Infinity whilst having your army wiped out. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about that game. Yeah, because it's, it's, so it's such a miniature game, uh, miniature gamers kind of thought process that if I wipe you off the board, I win the game kind of thing. And yeah. not that I'm not that I'm going to digress too far, but that's sort of how ninth edition 40K kind of works out. It's entirely possible for you to yeah. score enough points early in the game that it, by the end of the game, and you tally everything up. You still win, even if you got wiped out. Yeah, it's not probable, but it is plausible. 
So I think the difference is with Infinity, the game kind of just ends once one person's dead, I think. Maybe they've changed that now. I don't know, because I've not really read the N4 rulebook. But uh, that's what, I, obviously, with people watching, because we're still not doing video, can't see. Mm-hmm. But all the stuff on the table behind me is like Infinity stuff. And I've gone through Chris, and made some new That's <laughs> a new one, the revamped version, because I was like, I'll look at bought the revamped version for you guys to see if they'd changed any of the campaign and made it easier to run or like tweaked any of the awful bits. And uh, no, they haven't. So not not really. For those since for those of you who are only listening and not and not being able to watch, the box that this comes in is basically a coffin. It's so cool. It's, it's so cool. Huge. Chris is not going to go get it. So for those of you that are, I don't even know if he's recording the video so no, that everyone no can video, see. No video, so no one can see. All right. Oh, it's so cool. It's Take so it cool. Head. What's uh, the price point on that? Um, so it's, I think it's a hundred, oh, it says on the back, um, a hundred dollars US compared to $50 US for a book normally. So it's double the price, but you get the DM screen and the Taroka deck. Oh, so like so, the Tarot deck was like $30 on the side anyway. So really you're just spending an extra 20 bucks. Um, and you get the DM screen stuff. Yeah. So I, DM, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If you don't own it, I think it's okay, but the book is a softback book. So you can't really put it on the shelf with the rest of your D&D books. But you already have the other one. So that yeah. that represents that. I actually, truthfully, like the softback versions of the books more so than the hardback. All I mean is for when you're trying to build campaign. Because you're flipping yeah. in and out of books so much, you ruin the binding on so the hardback. What- Okay, so what you well, so you have options there. I have seen people, and, I, and this is always fascinating me whenever I see people, especially like Codex is now in forty k or fifty dollars. But you can take those books to like an Office Max, Office Supply, get them put in a ring and, binder, and have them spiral bound. And you can do that. Now the question becomes: Is are you okay with damaging that book to do that? And in short, I think you're right. I think there are instances that yeah, I'm kind of okay with that because I'm just going to ruin it anyway by doing that over time. That's why whenever 40K switched over to hardback codexes, I was kind of against it uh, for that exact reason, because it's a book that you're going to be opening a thousand times over its lifetime, opening stuff, flipping pages. You say that, Ed, but like you're not really, are you? When was the last time you quickly flipped between um, like one book and another for playing a game of 40K? You know, no, you're, you don't if you're play good, anyway, so. Ah, that's the ah, that's going to be fixed on Tuesday. <laughs> so, so when you look at a book like this, so and I'm showing the Edge of the Empire for a rule book, yeah. and it's you know an inch and a quarter thick. By the time you're done, like I'm, I try to be really careful because I had two copies. I don't know what happened to one, but when I'm done, by the time I'm done with this, this thing's going to be torn to shreds because I know you only need what is it like a a third of the book that really matters. Hmm. And the other two thirds is either fluff or it's just other stuff. And but the thing is, is that when you're designing things, because I don't, I'm not a person who memorizes things well, so I always have to go back and look. So as I go through and start designing, you know, an Edge of the Empire, a combined campaign between Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion, this book's just going to die. You know, the binding on this book will be dead by the time I'm done with it because I'll have opened it so many times and. So that's why I like the paperback. I would never take a hardback book and bind it, you know, put it into a bind, ever. So I've been playing Star Wars a little bit on Discord um, once a month or something like that. And the wiki and stuff, just um, 
throwing all of that on just the wiki is so good because all you need is your character tree, your skill tree, and uh, and then you pretty much pretty for much the set. Player, for the players, yes. For the yeah. GM of it, no way. Because there's yeah. so many things that you're always going to like. For me, you know, I've, if we do decide to do it at any time, you can actually do Age of Rebellion or uh, Edge of the Empire in Roll Twenty. They have all of the stuff in there, and then you just have to upload the maps and things like. But the yeah. character, well, I, the dice I think and, I did. I install a Discord bot for rolling Edge of the Empire dice. Don't, I don't know. Roll. Did you? Yellow, yellow, green, green. Mm, doesn't like it. So, yeah, I did. There we go. Look at that. Yeah, and, and that way you could do it. We could do it over Discord too, just because of that. But everybody has to have. So people are either going to have to torrent or find the PDFs or buy the core book themselves to be able to do a lot of this stuff. Of course, yeah. you're not going to buy the modules, but the resource books. You you know, if you're a you know if you're an engineer, you want the engineer resource because that's what you're pulling your special shit out of and stuff. Yeah, I I picked up a couple of bits and pieces because um, I started playing, but I'm waiting for um, is it Edge Studios it's gone over to to reprint them. But once that happens, I'll be a bit happier. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad because I have all the original stuff. So yeah, in that regard, I'm a completionist with that. But it'll be fun got- to play if we ever get to it. It'll, it will be fun to play. Yeah, I'm glad you managed to find the ones you were missing. I couldn't help you with. Well. Amazon's really nice for that. Yeah. Anything else you've been uh, playing, Chris? Um, I don't think. I suppose I could. I made. Like I said I made some X-wing lists, so I could bring it back to that. I've decided. I only. I'm only going to make five instead of seven because I, some. I'm a couple of lists are relatively swarmy. Like the first list I made is eight FOs, so like that takes up a lot of space. Right. It's really easy. Man after my own squadron heart. Cadet, an X1 squadron cadet, an X1 squadron cadet, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I wanted to, I was chatting about it in Discord the other day. I, was, I wanted to run the new Zai shuttle. So I, oh, I don't know. I really like flying eight TIE fighters. So I'm going to do that for a little bit and see how, you, how much fun I can have the. No, there's nothing better. <laughs> the downside, especially. That the they were really effective in the early days of first edition simply because there were so many targets and that you're only taking two attack dice off the off the off the board. So if they flew in formation and that, that's where flying information really became really important. If you could fly the information and get three or even four of them onto a single target, you're pushing past all their green tokens. You're pushing past all the markers and it's just straight dice, your dice versus theirs, over and over and over again. But now they've introduced more interceptors. There are more aces that are out there. There are ships that can get in and behind you. And then once they're behind you, you're in a joust and you're jousting with a ship that really can, can outshoot you and outgun you and take a ship off the board a turn. And all oh, the days, the days of yeah. seven TIE fighters. Oh, oh. Oh, it's fine. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be good fun. Uh, then I managed to make a resistance squad I'm excited to put on a table. Um, taking a bit of a theme from the FOs, I went with five Initiative 1 pilots. So I went with um, two Blue Squadron rookies with BB, Astromex, and S-Foils. So they can like do a little bit of pre-movement repositioning. It's not like I'm going to ambush anyone because I'm moving before them still. But you can kind of, if you dial in a one bank left, you can barrel roll right and backwards. So you're, you're kind of not moving as far up the table and stuff. So it can help you control range a little bit better to keep you uh, quite wide. Uh, then two Blue Squadron A-Wings uh, with Heroic and Advanced Optics. 
and then a logistic division pilot in the resistance transport with a uh, four astromech to make all make all the turns easier. A tractor beam because, because I had points not? left. Right, it's 198 points, so I still have a two point bid on my initiative one list, uh, <laughs> and then automated targeting priority just because I wanted to try it out in an actual game rather than in head sim kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I think that'll actually be okay. Like. Well, logistic division's just going to hang back and try and give someone a target locked focused shot, maybe, or like whichever one of my uh, my boy squadron um, a wings is going to be blocking. You know, I can coordinate an action onto that for an evade or whatever. But yeah, we'll see. I think I'd use the bid to move first to guarantee if I'm playing against other initiative ones that they can't block me. Is um, initiative yeah. one swarm a thing now? Um, I haven't seen it. The vulture swarm is generally it's better to go initiative yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the eight FOs you can only do eight if you go all initiative one. Um, yeah, and like, it doesn't matter if someone's got one initiative one pilot, they and they have the bid and choose to go before you, they block you with their initiative one, which ruins all of your initiative ones, and then still move after you with the rest of the list. So, yep. But yeah, and that's why initiative one, or that's why even like null with the ability to go into initiative zero, super useful, so. super useful. Then continuing the theme of the swarmy lists, I went with a a, a, a grand republic swarm. So Ooh. I'm going to try warthog in the lat with no upgrades at all, because obviously the lat's got its built-in ability, which kind of buffs people, mm-hmm. and I've got warthog's ability as well. Then I did four boy squadron V19s were dedicated, which is right, just give them all, give each other rerolls on defense if needed, and also warthog. And then I I did an ion turret Y wing with an an R4P astromech instead of just the R4 astromech. So thinking there was rather than having the one banks and the two banks and two hards being blue. Three times a game, I can make my three hards white or my four straight white because it's like you spend a charge to reduce the difficulty of a normal move. So it, it's only going to happen three times. But and I was like, oh, I don't, I really don't like that. I'd rather have it all the time. These turns are blue. But I'm like, well, how often am I going to need to do a hard turn when I need to clear stress? Because I'm not going to be stressing myself unless I K turn. So I, I figured three times in a game, or two, two or three times in a game should be enough. So we'll see in fact. So that's an initiative three swarm, but an, another six ship swarm. So I've got a five, a six, and an eight ship list there. <laughs> so five, six, eight. So obviously list number four is um, three Imperial Aces. Yep. To kind of like AI the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, What's your Imperial so, Aces list? Grand Inquisitor with nothing. Whisper with fifth brother passive sensors, Bell with hull upgrade, shield upgrade, and predator, and a one point bid. Yeah, I could see that shield upgrade because you had the points and you didn't have enough to put another ship in. Um, no, it was more shield and hull lets you be um, five total hit points, which means they need to take three to get half points. Oh, I see the lot. So okay, I see where you go. By by spending eight points on the hull on the shield, I potentially protect. 30 points yeah, by not being halved. That's my wife's math. Of, well, if I buy it on sale, I'm I'm saving $24. Well, yeah, yeah but you also spent $30 to get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, a one-point bid's a little bit scary, but 
Like, yeah, especially on an aces list. Uh, generally, the things I could look at doing is um, I could drop Grand Inquisitor down to one of the initiative four Inquisitors. Probably Fifth Brother would be a decent one. Oh, you could. There's lots of things you can do, but I I just wanted V two fives and a six, and I wasn't going to not have fifth brother crew, uh, fifth brother gunner, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I thought screw it, play on hard mode, not take a big bid. Sorry, yep. I'll play on hard mode as long as they take a bigger bid. Yes, because if yeah. they don't, I I'm still winning. I I still move last, and then the game's easy. Yep, that's an X wing on easy mode. <laughs> yeah, a double reposition the aces is cheating. Good, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll go. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, my 71 points soon to you. You've got to shoot him like at least twice to kill him, probably. So, And I've got to let you do that. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. Just don't let him shoot soon to you and win. Sounds like a plan. Look how easy it would be to collapse on the Grand Inquisitor for 52 points. I know. Like, you might as well chase him. He's right there. He's right there. He's a problem if you let him go. Hey, just snipe from range three, three attack dice he gets his range one bonus that's right. easy <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that's my only list I think is actually can be good like, it's just scary like, a well played Imperial Ace list is still probably the best thing in the game right now so you don't need to worry about it if you're playing against me but in general glad to hear that because <laughs> that's exactly my style of play that's what I like to run <laughs> yeah all right, so for me, what have I been doing lately? Uh, not a ton. Uh, the aforementioned D&D game we've been doing, we did get together for um, a little bit of uh, Squadrons, which we recorded for the show, uh, at completely and utter random. Uh, one of the guys I work at work with mentioned to me on a Friday that, hey, you know, we've got this Among Us group. You wouldn't be interested in playing, would you? And I've not played that game i've seen plenty of people talking about it my kids have played it and i said sure that sounds like oodles of fun and i think we were up to like one o'clock in the morning on my time i even drug chris into it um <laughs> five sec five seconds into the first game chris is already calling me out no he's, he's the imposter my problem is this i've not watched enough of the game or learned enough about the game to lie appropriately because i don't know <laughs> so so i can so say that i'm in, yeah, I could be an engineering doing XYZ tasks, but since I don't know what XYZ tasks are, I can't make that shit up on the fly. And uh, I'm a it, terrible it liar. Even, it, it was, the statement was, okay, that's fine. I believe that, that that's a logical excuse, Ed, but I'm still suspicious of you, so I'm going to follow you around from now on. If I turn up dead, Ed murdered me. <laughs> Ed proceeds to murder me because, lo and behold, Chris was correct. And then the rest of the lobby just ignores the fact that I'm dead. And I, it's fine. Um, All right. So in that instance, in that particular one, that was when the O2 went out. And you're like, well, you didn't help me. With, you didn't go up and do the other O2 one. And I'm like, oh, well, I saw you were doing it. He's like, no, you didn't help me. Legitimately, I didn't know that I could help you with that. So it's, it's, it's not helping me. Uh, and when the reactor goes off, there's two hand. There's one in the top of a room, one in the bottom of a room, and oh. it needs two people. So if two people don't do it, the reactor blows up and we all die. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. <laughs> so again, that's, so that's what I mean. I don't know the game well enough to lie my way out of a situation <laughs> to say, oh, no, I was doing this and I was over here. That having been said, it was good fun. I had a ton of fun. 
Um, most of the folks that we were playing with were all in Discord, which was a lot of fun. It was kind of weird because we we're playing in public rooms too. So you had like the chat was going on, but a vast majority of the players were in Discord. So we were having our conversations there and then we would type into the chat. Oh yeah, no, it's red. Well, well how do you know it's red? Oh, cause we're all on Discord. So like, I'd, like, like we, we had to kind of like negotiate with yeah. random online at the same time. Oh, you just burn all of them first. It's fine. Yeah. Just get, yeah, just get rid of those. Um, yeah. I physically, physically in person saw Chad on Tuesday. We got together. Uh, the plan is that on Tuesdays we are going to meet at the game store. Apparently the, the population is low enough there on a Tuesday night um, that we can get in and get some 40 K in and nobody will be there to like, it's going to be, I mean, we're still going to be doing the masks. We're still going to be doing, you know, all of our proper um, social distancing kind of thing, but sat down at a Denny's and went over some rules, covered the stuff as far as playing the game, kind of playing some catch up because the game's changed pretty drastically since the last time he's actually touched models in 40 K. And I wanted to go over that, but then we just spent the rest of the time just playing catch up. Like, I mean, it's kind of like, I, it's weird because I feel like I see him every week because we play D D every week, but not like that. Not we're like, well, Hey, how's the job going? How's the kid? What's, you know, what's going on in his life? Like those kinds of conversations you don't really get to have. So that was really kind of nice to just spend a couple hours just sitting down and bullshitting with Chad. So that was a ton of fun. That's because at the start of every D and D session, before we start recording, I like put the iron fist down and tell him to all shut he up. Does. He does. Game time now. Game face on. He absolutely does. No socializing. <laughs> This is this is absolutely true. He absolutely does do this. So long story short, we came to an agreement at the end of that uh, at the end of dinner that night um, that Tuesdays we're going to be doing thousand points to kind of learn the game. So I spent the last couple of two days kind of determining like, well, what list do I want to run? Um, there's this fantastic app, and I'm I'm, I'm going to praise all the folks that the Battle Scribes out there for if you want to do like you can do Battle Scribe on um, on X Wing too. But since X Wing has a fantastic app builder or army builder already, you don't really need to go down that route. But for other miniature war games, you can do Battle Scribe. It's a free one, but it's community driven. And the new codexes came out like three weeks ago, and they haven't updated the Space Marine or the Necron Codex yet. So I can't. I, so legitimately, I feel like I jumped back to like 2002 where I'm breaking out the Excel spreadsheet and I'm printing out my army lists with all the special rules written out. Because... Pen and a piece of paper. Easy. I know, but it's been so long. I'm so used to being able to like theory hammer whenever, okay, I'm on my lunch break. I've got five minutes. What does this list look like? Can I swap out this? Like that kind of thing to have that at your fingertips to then have to sit down and like flip through pages. Like, well, how many points is that? What does that rule do again? It's almost like, like I said, like I went back in time. Um, I'm specifically happy, like, I, I know that I've mentioned before, like, I think I've played, like, two or three games now at this juncture on TTS, uh, Tabletop Simulator, which is, it's okay. It's not the same as, it's not the same as playing X-Wing on Vassal, because legitimately, X-Wing is a two-dimensional game. So it translates really well into Vassal, sometimes a little bit too well. Um, in that, like, while the mo and FFG does a fantastic job with the models, but if you really wanted to, you could really play X Wing with just nothing but bases and dice and obstacles. Like, you don't, the models are decorative, they have no bearing whatsoever on gameplay, which is why Vassal and it works out so well for playing uh, X Wing because it's two dimensional into two dimensional. 40K and other miniatures games like that are three dimensional. And I get that TTS is, you can like twist the tables around, you can kind of, but there are a lot of scenarios where you literally need to get down to like models eye view 
to see, can I see that guy or can't I see that guy kind of stuff that I don't feel translates well in TTS, which is why I've not really enjoyed it. So I've kind of held the ball anytime a new edition of 40k comes out. I always feel like the real edition, the real game doesn't start until the first codex is released. So then you get an idea of what the game is going to be over the next couple of years. So now that we have the Space Marine Codex, now that we have a, the, the Necron Codex, now I'm ready to jump in. Obviously, it's two armies that I play. So I've been... I haven't even cracked the book on the Space Marine Codex, and I've spent nothing but the last two weeks going over page by page all the rules for the Necrons to make sure I know it. So when I sit down and play on Tuesday with Chad, uh, I'm going to be ready. But so, interestingly enough... Do you want to a- know what my favorite part about you and your Necron army is? What's that? The fact that you obviously forgot when you were complaining on Monday about the price of the D&D box when I said, well, I've got a full Necron Indominus set. If you want, I can sort you out with for a good price. You obviously forgot I said that and then went and ordered some from Russia. So I had already ordered them from Russia when you said that. I was just trying to determine if I wanted more (laughs) in fairness. So I'll tell the Russia story, sure. So I was, as I'm going through and reading the codex, I mean... non-X-Wing, I totally get that. Uh, when you're going through, I'm like, oh, wow, this unit is really, really good. I want to buy some. And I've been watching them. Like, So they have the big Indominus box set that people have been selling off bits and pieces of it since it came out. And you could get an, uh, a squad of Necron Warriors for like $23 from the Indominus box set because everyone was expecting the multi-pose models to come out with different options and different head options and all this stuff. And you can order the Scorepack Destroyers there for like $24, $25. And then Games Workshop does something really interesting, which I'm not sure. Again, I've not paid attention in the last three years, so I don't know if they've done this before. But they basically take the same models, the exact same push fit models that are designed for new players. And that's what they're selling in the main box sets. Because I sort of expected, okay, yeah, here are the push fit ones. Like they did the same thing with like the the Primaris Marines that came from the Dark Imperium. You can get the push fit ones, but you can't because they're monopose. You can't really position them any way you want. But then they sold a real Primaris box set where you could put all the upgrades on, you get all this cool stuff. That's what I was anticipating with these two box sets. So I've been sitting for weeks thinking I should just pull the trigger and just buy a couple. But no, 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 no I'm, I want to wait and see what other cool stuff. I want to see what the real kits come out. So Games Workshop announces the sh- the kit. Kits come out and they're the exact same models, the exact same sculpts. Nothing has changed. And those $23 and $24 units that were all over the internet everywhere and people couldn't, you couldn't give them away, all jumped up to $40 and $45 each because that's what the box sets are worth. So I found one on eBay for $30 shipped and said sold American and never read the description or where the models were coming from. Until I got my shipping notification and like, oh, it's shipped. And I'm like, and I'm neurotic. So I'm going to go look and I'm like, oh, it's not coming to my house until December 23rd. Where the hell are these things coming from? Russia. They're coming from Russia. So I'm operating under the, I'm operating under the opera sprinter, um, the, the MO that these are legit, that they're not knockoffs. They're not, I'm, I'm genuinely operating currently. Under the understanding that these real, genuine GW models, they're just coming from Russia. And now I need advice because I'm like, well, I want to honor their journey. These models flew all the way from Russia to here to fight in my army. I want to like honor them in a traditional, like, like I want to show their Russian heritage. And I'm like, well, how do I do that? Do I paint them different? I, I want to get like some of those like Russian winter hats and put them on, the, put them on the heads of the soldiers. So like they're Russian soldiers in my army. I don't know. I've got to find some way to distinguish those three score practice Royal Lords from all of my other ones I'm going to have. And I yeah, still might buy, and I still might buy Chris's. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I remember by December, the um, the Indominus box will be back out again. Because right. right, it'll be back available in stores from the, um, the made-to-order type ones. So, Which is why it's crazy. Like, and that's just me and eBay have not gotten along in the last couple of weeks. And that's one of the things that's driving me nuts. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I didn't just pull the trigger because I knew of the, of the stuff that comes in the Indominus box. That's, that's the stuff I wanted the most. I wanted another squad or two of the warriors because the sculpts are so cool. And I wanted another squad or two of the Scorpic destroyers because they're so cool. And I never pulled the trigger and now I'm suffering for it, but it is what it is. So yeah, that was my week. <laughs> yep. Oh, well. oh, I I was happy. I, I trolled you with some Ivan Drago. That was enough for me. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> All right. So that kind of leads into the main topic um, of what other games we've been playing since X-Wing has been kind of like on the table has not been um, a thing here, at least in uh, the U.S. I know things have opened up a lot further and wider in in uh, the great north there, Chris. But for those of us here in the U.S., local gamesters for the most part have been shut down. Um, my other hobby that I'll mention, Magic, uh, just got done announcing that not only have all the North American stuff been shut down until 2021, but they've also shut down all the European events in person till, until 2021 at least. So, like, legitimately, any type of game that I want to physically go somewhere and actually play with someone, I can't do. <laughs> so what do you do in those situations? If you're an X-Wing player, obviously Vassal is an option. There are some folks that are playing it on TTS as well. That's an option. Um but what else? I mean, I mean, I, I think I just ran down a whole list of the things that I've been doing. Obviously, we just got into Among Us. There's a possibility we might play some tonight, depending on how late we go tonight. Guessing so, from the time. So, so <laughs> think about it this way, because what a lot of this is, is in America is a prime driver because the game is probably the biggest in America. But the longer COVID goes, the longer people are away. Now, Fantasy Flight and Disney continue to put ships out, as we're going to talk about, but the question, the reason why I brought up the question is, is that how many people have found other things to do and found other things to play in the interim that will stick with that? You know, how many people are actually going to come back to X-Wing when, you know, when it's feasible to do that? You know, we're looking at, you know, mid-2021 at the earliest, probably, where you could start reactivating large events, depending upon where science is at with this. Um, but let's just say, and, and let me throw this out there, let's just say we don't really get effective ways of tamping this down until 2022. You're looking at, you know, what, almost two years of no face-to-face -face play of a game that is a very popular game, but at the same time, literally, in my opinion, relies on that face-to-face -face side of the game. You know, I completely agree. Where, where does this, you know, how many... How many players do you lose who lose interest in the game or just forget about the game? You know, and I don't and forget about is once again, it's kind of a harsh way to put it. But, you know, who just come up with other things to do in the interim, you know, and buy new games and maybe get into D&D &D or get into other online gaming. You know, a good example is Among Us, where right now it's the, you know, one of the most popular streaming games right now. Things like that. Where does this game? And I know that this is all, you know speculation and, and everything we say here is going to be 100% speculative, but ultimately how do you keep a game going when the game can't be played face to face? Yes, you have tabletop. Yes, you have Vassal, you know, but are we seeing as many people on Vassal as we did in the heyday of Vassal and X-Wing? 
Are we seeing more? Are we seeing more on tabletop? So on and so. I think there's more on. So I think the big thing that we're we're seeing and will continue to see is like you've got to split up X Wing from competitive X Wing. Like competitive X Wing online used to be Vassal, and you'd have a few hobbyists would play on tabletop simulator, but then uh, the the streamers who like were streaming the tournaments and stuff and. Have, I don't want so I'd, I'm gonna. There's no other way to say it, but like the people who've invested livelihoods into like being able to do streaming X-wing events and all of that kind of stuff, streaming Vassal just isn't gonna cut it. So right. the drive to tabletop simulator from the streaming side is 100% understandable, but that's obviously form, formed a shift in the competitive player base moving over to tabletop because you want to practice in the format you're going to be playing. So I'd say the Vassal numbers are probably... I haven't been on Vassal since the last time me and Ed played, probably. But, right, um, it's probably the same last time I was on, too. Yeah. So I couldn't... I can't factually speak to it, but I would guess that the numbers are down on Vassal, but I would guess that they're massively up on tabletop simulator at the moment. Like, Gold Squadron um, streaming on Twitch and running... I think they're... They're running like um, a, an in, not an invitational tournament, but it's qualifiers that get you to an invitational tournament and stuff. And they've had lots of success, and people are paying to play in these events to support the prize pool and all of that kind of thing. So, and that's where the the fear of the Nantexes come from, and like the online play with that. So, I think separating that because that is obviously one hundred percent different and has really changed from what we were used to in the heyday of us playing and talking about X-Wing. Oh, yeah. Vassal was always like the secondary. Vassal was a place to practice, but where you put that practice to play was on the table. Yeah. But like, I think uh, above and beyond that distinction is X-Wing is bigger than the competitive scene. Like Theoretically, I would say that us, um, like lack of focus... Uh, the crate, well, not so much the crates because they pivoted, like, didn't really talk about X Wing anyway, unless there was something big to talk about and just did it for fun. Uh, but like uh, Gold Squadron, um, Fly Better, all of the like heavily competitive focus podcasts will suffer. But like the Kitchen Table X Wing, who doesn't even know that there's a podcast is a thing and like, has never even world, heard of a World Championships, never checks the FFG website, just goes into the, uh, the gaming store and buys new X Wing stuff whenever it's around. Like, I don't think they'll even notice, like pandemic or not, because they're just Kitchen Table gaming and that's still going on. So, well, and then the question becomes: Is how much of the population of the X Wing player base do you feel is in the "quote unquote" competitive versus the the Kitchen Table variety? My experience in games like this is that the Kitchen Table just want to you know beer and pretzel, put some models on a board, kind of kind of players are usually the majority, and the competitive is usually the minority. Yeah. Yeah, and you also have the collector side with this too, where the person buys one or two ships to throw on a shelf for you know mm-hmm. just to have the models. There's that too. I but mean, what, I, what I agree. Point? We've actually had this conversation a few years ago on the old podcast, I believe, where we talked about this, and you know where the belief is that the real sales of the game are coming from the kitchen table players and yes. not exactly from the competitors. Yeah. So like. This is obviously anecdotal, and I've 
we we didn't prep for this conversation because um, Sean suggested it. Was it last night or this morning? I can't remember now. Probably but, like uh, five hours before the show, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I generally, if I was if I had planned to bring this stuff up, I would have done some more research or at least been able to give you factual data from my end, but I didn't. So it's going to be anecdotal. But like, whereas in we've we'd have a casual game night where we're getting like between 12 and 20 people then i'd run a casual kit event where it'd be between like eight and 12 people and then when i'd run a star championship there'd be like a little bit of a bump so like the the, the numbers would be in the 30s 40s but the locals who didn't travel for it would be you know maybe half of that number so not everyone who's coming to the uh the games nights is coming out for star championship but like half of the people you know that's going to be the big event of the year kind of thing and then the regular tournament people but then as the, the competitive level went up with when i ran the regionals the actual number of calgary players would go down because as the competitive level went up the interest in the local player base went down so right uh, well, you, you got the travelers uh, that came yeah so yeah, the the number at the event was still going up, but the percentage of that that was from Calgary was going down. So what like if I'm running a fifty sixty player event in Calgary for a regional, like just m- making stuff up, that means there's like two to three hundred X wing players who like play in public, and then that means there's probably if you look at the sales of X wing from the store. Uh, there's probably like a thousand who play at home. So yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah. no, no, I get that. It's I, 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 say, I don't I don't have those full numbers. Sorry. So it is anecdotal, right? And, but, so the same thing when I was running tournaments, and you know, you have a now the Omaha group was pretty competitive. You know, we were the majority <laughs> probably if we had 20, let's say twenty five to thirty people in the league, we would get twenty to twenty two people from Omaha at our tournaments, you know, but to fill out that 60 player tournament, you're getting, you know, 30 some players from the region pretty much. And then you would get the ones like Richard Sue and, and players, the, the heavy, the heavy players uh, that would travel. Heavy travelers too. Yeah. yeah. Like Richard goes so, everywhere. Right. And you'd get some of those, not nearly as many. You know, and it would taper off, you know, kind of once you get out of the region, then you're kind of tapering off, um, you know, and it tapers back from there. And I, I, you know, I think that really the, I think overall, we'll see probably a dip at the beginning because there's going to be three factors, I think, that play into it. One is, you know, are people going to trust traveling, you know, to events? So how far are they going to go to events? You know, are you going to go to the... Las Vegas Open the next time it's there or whatever event or even Worlds for that matter. How many people are going to show up? Because there's going to still be some questions and, and I'm not going to call it fears because I don't believe fear is the driver in this, but it's just the questions of safety and, you know, and part of it is economics. You know, how many people were affected through all of this with losing jobs or having, you know, Losing money within, you know, work, their work environment, things like that, which could affect it. But I think the biggest thing to me, though, that'll affect it is overall popularity. You know, will there be as, and that's kind of my driving question, will the popularity be there for the game to make the game like 
when you went to these large events, will we still see those large events or those those size of events post COVID right away? How long would it take to recover? Six months, a year, even after we can resume these types of events? That's kind of where I'm driving at with this. Not really. So I think the um, the good thing for a game like X Wing and the competitive competitive scene for it is that it isn't like it's only the FFG events that have been cancelled. Like Nova Open was cancelled, so it's like 9th edition 40k can't be catching people's eye and drawing that competitive base away because that's not happening either. Like Magic yeah. isn't happening either. I think the way we lose players is like squadrons. If that gets a competitive scene, could drag away Star Wars fans who like competitive gameplay, but it won't drag away miniatures players who like competitive games. So I, I think, yeah, I agree with that. I yeah. actually, I think those are very valid points with this. Yeah, I'm, I was never like a true heavy miniatures player prior to X Wing, so I don't know, you know, that 40k scene or, or even you know that comparison with that. It's just. It's interesting to watch just because, you know, I look at like the Omaha scene and I would say it's dropped off some. You know, I'm not going to say it's, I mean, you know. Would you, was it on the decline before COVID though? No, I think it was in transition before COVID, to be honest, where yeah. it, it, it went from me to Patrick. And yeah. so you had a change where a lot of the heavy competitive players kind of stepped away. But he was developing that new generation, I would call it, of competitive players. You know, with the the second edition game competitive, there were still some from before. You know, from the first edition, from when I ran it, things like that that were still going. But mostly, it was him rebuilding that scene. You know, it was never. I don't think it ever reached the levels that it did in the heyday in 2014, 2015 in Omaha. You know, and I don't know if it ever would again. Mm. But it was growing again. But you know, I, I just I yeah. think though that it's it, it has fallen off a little bit. But I also don't know because I haven't been involved in it. I stepped away to let Patrick totally own it and not have confusion. Yeah. At the beginning of it, there was confusion. People would come to me instead of going to him, which was driving me nuts, driving him nuts. I think, and ultimately, it was you know I had to step away, and then of course back injury changed my life in so many different ways, but. You know, it's just that that question that I have that, you know, like local communities, how for the competitive side of local communities, how do they survive with all of this and keep the interest and keep people after this is all over one and you come back? Large events, I think, are still going to draw people, but I don't know to what level and at what point after the end, whatever the end of COVID is or, you know, or whatever the mitigation side of COVID is. It just makes me wonder. and, And I think it's probably across to all gaming. It's probably not just yeah. that. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm that glad you said that. that probably was the magic of the... community, probably the 40K community, mm-hmm. or the competitive side of it. I think you'll see that same effect across all gaming and conventions and things like that. You know, it'll be it'll be different. Nova Open will probably, you know, could potentially look different next year if it happens next year. You know, Gen Con and all these other events could probably look different because of... I think the cons are the ones that will find it the hardest to start back up i think like realistically i would be running a weekly x-wing again if the bathrooms were finished in the store because we took we took advantage of covid to add a second bathroom in our gaming space and it's a long running project 
So once the bathroom's done, we're going to reopen the gaming space. It won't be as big. And I, I've got plans where, because the opening hours have changed due to COVID, um, I'm going to keep the store open, but for private groups. So it won't be, like, the open sign will be off, but, like, the X-Wing group will be able to come in, play X-Wing, and the store will still be open for them. Right. So it's a more... So like, be limited, yeah, it'd say it'd be limited capacity with, yeah. with the protocols in place. See, yeah. and I think that's probably like as we're rolling out of this, I think if, if you're if you're if your barometer is strictly based on the large events like your worlds, like your nationals, um, like your regionals, things like that, I think that you're going to see it's probably gonna take a year to two years, in my honest opinion, to get back to where people are going to be comfortable. And for the same reasons that we're kind of touching on here, like, for example, I just got done saying in my flight deck that my intention is to go to my local game store who is open for gaming in a limited capacity. I'm more comfortable with the idea with that. There is another local gaming group in my area that about, you know, 25, 30 minutes away, they're holding an event at a library this upcoming weekend. And I'm not comfortable with that because there's 55 people going to that. So yeah. I'm going to be more inclined to start returning to my local game store in a limited capacity, but larger events. And again, I like, I like how you put that. It's not necessarily fear. It's just more applying common sense and safety precautions. I'm not quite there yet, um, especially where we are in Western PA that I'm and that, showing up. And, and that's it. It's, like, it's really hard to judge because like, across the world, it's a very different beast. Mm-hmm. Like, if you asked me, like, I I can go into not any supermarket that isn't Walmart in Cochrane, and like people aren't wearing masks. Like, there there have not been nine simultaneous cases in Cochrane. Like, COVID doesn't really exist here. I still wear my mask places because it doesn't put me out, mm-hmm. and if it makes someone else feel safer, <clears throat> that's a good thing. Like, it it doesn't bother me, um, but. Like, if I go to Calgary, it's mandated that if you go in a business, you've got to wear a mask from the, the city. So everyone wears a mask all the time. But again, like, there's there's not really the the same case world because the population density isn't there. So for, for I can say what, what we're doing and what I know that my community will be comfortable with, but that'll be completely different to, like, the Midwest or the East Coast or the West Coast. Right. Is one thing, and I think Ed kind of sort of skimmed it, but if you have things like Nova, because the one thing that, the one thing I'm looking at with this is that other than Worlds, everything else was basically run at a larger event. Yes. That had multiple, multiple events going on. So. Yes. And, and that's kind of where I'm getting, that's another point I'm trying to get at with this is that. Will that also affect it if, so as an example, and I, I hate saying this type of stuff, but let's just say Nova Open doesn't happen for a couple of years. And bear with me, you know, just because whether it be the hotel, whether it be the local community rules, you know, or the rules in the, you know, in the DC area, because even after vaccines, there still has to be in the United States, especially just because we are just total. We've, we've really, <laughs> we're really something. We'll just put it that way. When it comes to the concept of, you know, how to handle this. And because I live in a state where the governor is, is very much siding with a certain way of thinking. 
And so where our numbers were ebbing in the middle of summer, they're now just skyrocketing. And, and that's when you looked at what people were saying, what the medical people were saying, that was what was going to happen. And it's happening across this country in, in most states. And because of that, you're probably not going to see the early the events that would happen at early tournaments next year, you know, the things that normally would be there next year. So you're looking at at the middle, at the earliest middle of 2021, probably late 2021 to 2022, unless they move everything to Canada. But then no one from the States will probably be able to get into Canada. So. I was just going to say, they're not going to let us in. So there was stuff I saw on um, online earlier on this week where Canada's looking at if you voluntarily test on arrival, uh, we've got a rapid uh, detection test or something. If you voluntarily do that, come up negative and then um, sign on to test again within a week, you don't have to isolate. Right. But so, and that's supposed to be happening um, on the 5th of November or the 3rd of November, I think. Uh, and it's the one of the car based at the land entries on the border to Alberta and then Calgary Airport as well. So, I, but I mean, that's by the by. I think. What you're saying, Sean, is obviously if the big events don't happen, we're effectively removing the national level events. Right. Um, So North American Championships and Nationals is the stuff you're talking about removing. Correct. And and the System Open Series. Right. And and keep in mind, those are some of the qualifying events to get into larger events like Worlds. so So what about if we rolled back to a time where it went Star Championships, Regionals, and Worlds? And that was, was my that was my jam. That's how I liked it. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. So like that well, was you would have like, to, would you? I mean, that would yeah. be the ultimate thing for fantasy flight to keep the to keep that concept of worlds and qualifying for worlds. Like, you, you could do something as crazy as actually there are no open tickets to worlds. The only way to go is um regional winners get an invite. And do it right. So then Worlds becomes like a 64 player event or whatever. Right. And if, I, you're, if you're doing regionals, though, is it, are we still under the same circumstance where you have the difficulties of even holding those? That's yeah. right. So, like, it, it, even if you had the, like, I doubt you'd get 64 regionals, but even if you got 120, there's probably not all of them are going to be won by multiple people. And not all of those people are going to be able to travel to Worlds. Are going to be comfortable traveling to Worlds, right? So, like, I think there's a, a timeline where that kind of thing can can and will happen. But I don't. I'm not concerned about FFG survival. I'm not concerned about X Wing survival. Yeah, I'm I was concerned wondering if we get to the about the, the 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 well, how best to phrase this without being overly insulting. Um, Something like the Fly Better, like X Wing Facebook group, where they've got like thousands and thousands of people in the Facebook group who are literally only there to talk about X Wing, and uh, those are communities that will slowly drift away uh, or or fade down. That that's where I would be worried. But that's something that you can rebuild, and like yeah, maybe Ryan and Deed and uh, in a year's time. I've moved on in life and I'm up for it, but some something will step up to fill that void. And I, I mean, it's 
probably it's 100% arrogant to say it, but like Nova went away and people filled that hole. And like, Mm -hmm. we haven't, I don't think we're any worse off for it. We're happy with where we are. And like, as people grow and evolve, I think whilst the people who make those communities and like the people who are the competitive players now may drift out of a game, I think when we eventually get to a point where the option is there, I think there'll be a whole new wave of people ready to come and start doing it. I have no, uh, the only way I would have been fearful for X Wing is if FFG preemptively shut everything down and uh, Games Workshop swooped in with somehow making Aeronautica Imperialis really popular. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? Like coming in with a direct competitor that they didn't close down any events for, had some way of guaranteeing people's safety, and that took off. That's where I would have been concerned. But uh, people have been talking about, oh, like, FFG must be struggling. I I'm of the opposite opinion. Like, yeah, I, 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 would bet they're, I would bet that they're doing better. Yeah, like, I've not stopped buying board games because you, you know what I do when I'm stuck in the house? I'll play a board game. Exactly. You know? Right. And but you I, have to I, keep in mind, though, like, F, FFG's business model isn't just X-Wing. They have a whole slew of games that they play that come out of there. I recognize that from our perspective, that's what we focus on specifically, but they have a whole bunch of other things that I mean, are continuing to allow a, a revenue stream for that organization. I, I would go as far as to say that if you think organized play X-Wing and Worlds and the X-Wing competitive scene is anything other than a blip on FFG's marketing budget, mm-hmm. you're deluding yourself. Yeah. It's cool. They do it for the cool factor and they do it for the community and they do it for the fans of the game. But right. like it doesn't generate revenue uh, I think nearly people, like you would think it would. Yeah, I think people confuse FFG and OP for FFG with something like your local gaming store and Friday Night Magic. Like the are 100% local gaming stores who live and die by the attendance on FNM. But FNM like, keeps the lights on. That's what I've always heard. What, like, I mean, we've had this conversation in the past. The cent, like God, the owner of the Central Box, he sold Magic to like someone, and we have a non-compete. So we sold Sentry Box to sent, and it formed Sentry Box Cards. It's a separate business with a separate owner. We are not allowed to sell Magic, and we don't compete. And like that's been the case for three years, and we're still mm-hmm. in business. And I was shocked when you told me that, and I'm still shocked that it's still because again, that's and it just from growing up in game stores, that's between Wednesday night comic sales and Friday night magic. That's what kept the lights on. Everything else, every other day of the week, was just gravy. Yeah, that's what I was always told. And I think the the game store business models that survive are the ones that are diversified. Agreed. Yeah, and you, you need know. that. And you need that solid customer base because this is kind of one of the other points i kind of wanted to get into um on this particular topic every game and i mean every single game that you're ever going to get into whether it's magic whether it's whether it's x-wing whether it's 40k or whether whatever game it is you're always going to have your fair weather fans you're going to have those folks that get into it they're into it for a year maybe two and then they get to the solution with it they sell their stuff off and then they never come back there's a life cycle for those types of players it's usually about two years and after that two years, those players rotate themselves out and someone else comes in to fill that void. You do have your stalwarts, 
you do have your folks that have, I've been playing this game for a decade kind of thing. You have those folks, but what keeps the sales going are those new players. The ones that are coming in, they see the people in the stores playing X-Wing and like, oh, this looks like a cool game. That, this ties back into the conversation of is that where conversion kits a mistake and that kind of thing. Uh, yes, uh, yes, we're, we're, we're yes, it does. Back there. And like, or, you know, not, or it really think, ties back into my, my point on extended versus hyperspace. But it's like one of those, <laughs> like we can have that conversation, which is like pretty suicidal for us as a show to say, but like realistically, we're, we are prime examples of like drifting out because like, yeah, I've been playing X-Wing for what, seven years now, probably. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't play as much as I used to, but I probably still play more than everyone else on the cast put together. Agreed. And like, the re- obviously, that's why we don't market ourselves as a competitive show. We and like, we are the kitchen table cast. Like, that's why I'm not concerned about like what's going on. Like, all my X-Wing stuff is out on the table. I've still been putting lists together, and like, none of these, I think, are, are lists I'd take to a, a tournament expecting to win. It's all stuff I think would be fun. And mm-hmm. like, the friends who I'm comfortable playing with can still come around to a house and we can still play and have fun games. Like If I play against Bill, I'm not going to take like my Imperial Aces list. I'll fly like, either that Warthog Swarm or the, uh, the Resistance list because... I know that he'll have brought something fun and interesting and won't want to play against like a top tier. I know that people can't see me like putting <laughs> Doing the, the, air, the physical the air quotes. Yeah. Um, but I think like, that's a good way to transition to the other half of this topic that we're going to do of like what has been distracting us. Like, what, uh, if you're listening to this because you like X Wing, what have we been filling our time with that we can mm-hmm. recommend to the people who like this? Uh, if you're listening to this, we do this so you might like it as well. Yeah, because like it, it's not going to compete with X Wing because I don't really, like I said I don't think anything can that you can do at the moment. But like, what have we been doing to fill our time with? So first thing first, like we got what three months, two months into COVID, and everyone's on lockdown. And everyone started getting stir crazy, and I kind of randomly pushed into the chat, "Hey, I'd love to do some D and I know. I, I think it was well before I, we started this campaign in like April. Like COVID we on, started in March here yeah, in the U.S. No, but yeah, but that's what I mean. Like we, we were still pretty early into COVID when we actually yeah, that's started that's the true. campaign. But my point being is, so my that's Monday nights have been something that I look forward to each and every week. Each and every week, I know almost without fail, assuming my work or illness doesn't take me, um, that's what I'm doing. That that has filled that, that has scratched that itch for me. Well, agreed. It's not the same. It's not the same as being on the table. I'd love to have a scenario where all of us got together every week on the table to play D&D, but it's definitely kind of filled, it has definitely filled that hole for me of the I need to get out and hang out with my friends kind of thing. And we've accommodated that through being able to chat and physically see each other through Discord, like we're doing right now on the podcast. I can see everyone, everyone's happy, shiny faces, and we can joke around and have some fun and roll some dice. And while it's not entirely ideal, it is what it is in the environment that we're in. Even something like what we did when we did Squadron's Night. Squadron Nights was the same thing. 
We had Discord up. We had cameras up. I could see everyone up. But I'm also playing games. And I'm shoot, shooting spaceships and blowing stuff up with my friends. That's kind of been the stuff that I've been using to kind of fill the void for that kind of thing. And it was interesting to me that you went down that route of like, well, the show's kind of taking a step back as far away from the competitive community. We're more on the... Um, we're more on the kitchen table side because that's I, I genuinely completely agree with it. Like I think at some point in time, I competitive X Wing stop the the allure to the game at that level kind of kind of dulled a little for me. And mostly it's the the things that I think about when I go, think about all the big events that I went to and all the things together is not the games. There are moments in a games that I think that I remember fondly or jokingly or have fun with, or, oh, I can't believe that happened or that awful time that I was on stream and I just got blown away by like that kind of stuff. I think about it's always those interactions. It's the interactions with the people that I was with. I literally just, so jokingly, my son asked me how I knew you guys, my youngest son. He's like, well, why don't I, why have I never met your friends? I'm like, well, one lives in Canada and one lives in Omaha. Well, how did you meet them? And I was sharing stories I was sharing the stories of how we met, how the show kind of got us all together originally, how we have stayed friends over all of these years, sharing a hot tub with Sean at Worlds. Can't beat the hot tub. <laughs> but like those are the things that ultimately are the reason why we do the things that we do, that we get together for these games. Otherwise, we'd just be sitting on the PlayStation playing first person shooters not talking to anybody kind of thing. It's these it's the it's those social interactions that are the most important. So what I think is the most important thing for filling those things isn't necessarily what you're playing, but who you're playing it with. Yeah. All right. So I did I just checked. We did episode 49 roll for initiative, which is where I pitched you the three ideas that we ended up not using any of. Uh, that was on um April the 14th, I think it was. Oh, so we we were a month into a COVID. Month. Yeah, a month. Yeah. We were a month into yeah. COVID before we were all like, all right, we need something to do. But yeah. I think, though, that's indicative of the way our show is now anyway. There's, there's a lot of shows that we have that probably should be the in-focus show that we just do with <laughs> a lack of focus. You know, there's been many, 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 many shows where Chris... You and Ed go down that rabbit hole of 40K. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that's okay because, you know, I, I think it's funny, you know, to listen to things like that, you know, and just because it's it's good because ultimately, you know, for us to survive as a podcast, you know, we're, in my opinion, we're an X-Wing podcast adjacent podcast. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're not fully an X-Wing. Like, you know, I'm not playing X-Wing. I haven't played in a while for, for obvious reasons, you know, Ed, you've dabbled here and there very little. Very little. I, I can see my stuff right there. If I wanted to take a pick up and play right now. Like, I mean, like, I, like I would said, put, Chris, I would Chris the show. Chris is our yes, As far as that's concerned, I agree. He's the heavy on the X-Wing stuff, but I think a lot of what it is, when you talk about filling time, when you look at Monday, Monday, I love Mondays. I hate when I can't make Mondays due to whatever the reason is. It drives me absolutely batshit crazy because, you know, for me, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's just, that's what I crave every week is getting together with you guys. My Wednesday night game group, you know, with, with the friends that I play games with on, on Wednesday. And honestly, all four of those guys or three of those guys I play with, I met through X-Men. <laughs> ironically, you know, Chris Brown was 
you know, the guy that ran X-Wing with me for the first two years. You know, he was, he was the alpha to it. He, he would run the game nights, um, or, you know, parts of the game nights and stuff. And, you know, and the other two, Rob came in in the second, second or third season. So 2013-ish, late 2013 timeframe. And then, you know, and because of that, it's just like, you know, it's just, I don't, you know, people don't realize like what that community has done for me, you know, and probably for you guys too, when it comes to people that, you know, I mean, I wouldn't know either of you guys if it wasn't for x I, I was just going to say that. I, you know, and, and I wouldn't even know you guys if it wasn't for Roy. And and Roy's, Roy and my connection was an accidental connection. You know, it was, it was through Cryodex. And because Roy had gotten Cryodex from Chris to run the Pittsburgh regional while I was running the Omaha regional. And Roy said, Hey, try this out. I tried it out and I went on my maniacal testing things, found all these problems, sent all these things to Chris, like being able to look up tables, being able to, you know, just the things that weren't in it in the beginning. And that's how I met you guys because all of a sudden I end up on a podcast where I'm talking about community building. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I don't know how many shows later, but then I'm kind of a, an oddball permanent member to that cast, you know, and has never left ever, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm the controversial one on the podcast too, you know, which is ironic at the same time. But I think we all have our moments apart from Ed. Yeah, probably. Uh, Ed's probably. the guy who keeps us above law, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I still, I still, I still go back. I had my, I had my one moment and luckily no one ever picked up on it. <laughs> And my one moment was, and I, I, I think that you, it's okay. You've edited out now, so I think you can talk. You still probably couldn't say what you said, but you can tell no, them what you did in the I context of it. And I you edited it out, so it's fine. Yeah, I can't say what I said, but we were talking about a particular ship and about a particular upgrade. And in the early days of testing that ship, what it did, and we were in a conversation, and for some reason, my brain went to version one of that ship. And I was talking about it and that's how I was referring to it. And I had to edit it all out because I was afraid of violating my NDA at that juncture, because even though that is not how the ship ended up getting printed, I was still speaking about something that I should know. I also had an interview with a particular person whom I love dearly, but spent a half the interview that I pre-recorded with him talking about stuff that was violating an NDA that I had to scrap that interview. <laughs> But that was all behind the scenes shit. Nobody ever heard that. But I did have moments. I just I well, didn't yeah, 40k. Were, I didn't 40k radio myself. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> you uh you had the ability to take those moments out. Yes. Yeah. Because I had I had the gift of hindsight before publishing. Correct. It's okay. I I just thrive on the controversy. So, so I think <laughs> the, he's not I, joking. For those of you who think he's making a joke, right? He's not. He's absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy cra- reacting to stuff in a crisis, and then occasionally you have to create those crises to be able to do that, you know? Yeah, sometimes you have right. to cause the crisis to be able to react to it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, but I'm probably still the only podcaster that's ever suspended themselves off of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Self, That was not implied. That I never, you voluntarily did that. I never enforced it, never asked for it, understood nope. your decision. Oh, and I even had conversations with Fantasy Flight about everything, and everything was good. It was the internet that didn't like it. Yep. Yeah. I, I, Sad times. 
Oh, All those so, days when we were a super relevant podcast. Oh, yeah. I think the big thing that I've went on is Discord. Uh, our Discord's yeah. grown a little bit, but like the Crate Discord has been like pretty busy. And like Chris and the guys over there have done a lot of like they pivoted onto a running Among Us um, for people. And like there's always been like 10 man lobbies of that. Then with squadrons coming out, like the the sheer number of people that are playing that and just having those like safe spaces and like those yes. little groups, I think has been a nice, a nice thing where it's like you, you can just have that little rant and post about how crappy of a day, like our, um, uh, our Facebook message chat that we still have going and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. Where I well, lament I... the fact that I have to paint models before I play chat otherwise. Because I made the mistake of informing him of a rule in 40k that says if you don't have a fully painted army, you get you get 10 less points. He's like, oh. So I'm like, shit, now he's going to call me out on that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I, I think that's the, the big thing that I've used as a replacement to like that Friday night kind of. Um, Friday evenings was our like X-Wing night. And it's been weird. And I, I've been... I was happy when I got to go back to work because I got to like see people who weren't like, a three-year-old. And Nothing actually, you see me. <laughs> just having been able to talk to people is good sometimes. And you know, it's, it's been some. Uh, not gonna lie, there's been some dark times where it's been pretty hard. And like, obviously, the zoo was cool. Like, the the big thing for me was all of the stuff I used to do was at places that got shut down because of COVID. So once I didn't have those crutches to my permanent parenting, which I didn't even realize I was using, it was really hard because then I was just stuck in the house and like having to, uh, at the moment, when it, I'm being Maui and we chase invisible Kokomora around the house and try and catch them. Or you're a giant, a, a giant rock giant and chasing Anna and Elsa. Or, uh, you know, you're, you're Buzz and she gets to be Woody and there's a big fire and you've got to get the claw to come and save them. <laughs> uh, just all, all of that stuff and yeah, it gets it, easier when they can self-entertain uh, don't get me wrong it, it's fun but occasionally i would like to talk about something that's real you know like pew pew spaceships and lightsabers right <laughs> sometimes it's that just that adult interaction and i think that's one of the other things like we've mentioned a couple of places like in discord places that we've gone to to kind of like uh, as as safe spaces of safe harbors if that's something that you or and if you've gotten to this far into this podcast and you're like, I don't have that, they're out there. Like, uh, I, I've said it a few it times in the past, but like, join the Dice Hit Discord. I, yes. I None of it is muted. So if you post in any of the channels, I'll see it and I'll respond to it. So I'm, I'm always there if, if you guys are having that kind of moment. And if you, uh, I've, I've suggested lots of things and I, some of them have fired, some of them haven't, but the option's always there. If people want to do some uh, some West Marches D&D, let us know on a Discord and I'll run it. If you want to get a, an Among Us game in, there's a voice channel and a group there. Just, mm-hmm. just at me. If I'm free, I will play. I, even if I can't jump in voice, I'm working in Eevee, I'll just play on my phone and you can just yeet me out first every time. It's fine. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm there if people want to be there. But that's the big thing I've used to kind of replace that community aspect of it. Um, like actual gaming, I, I'm disappointed to say that I haven't done more painting. That's one of the things I would have liked to have said that I've kind of 
picked up and done more, but if anything, I've probably done less than I was doing. Oh god, I had full plans of having my entire Domino's box set painted by now, and now I'm in a mad rush. I've got to paint four models for Tuesday. <laughs> so, like, trust me when I tell you, I feel you when you're like, oh, I should have done more painting. There have been plenty of nights I'm like, why didn't I do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know, I know you, Sean, you said you pivoted to doing some online games rather than the board game night you used to do. Yeah, same group, just we went to, mostly it's Terraforming Mars. Once in a while, we'll do uh, Lords of Waterdeep. And then if one of the guys isn't there, we'll go to, what is it, Tabletopia and play some games over there. So yeah. it's, and we do it Fridays too. Um, like tonight, three of us get together on on the lot of Friday, not every Friday. Two of us, Chris and I, get together um, on Fridays mostly. Um, you know, then Phil will join in with us when he can. Rob doesn't. He has another game group. So we kind of have two nights a week. I have the Monday night and then every other Thursday, which usually turns out to be Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. <laughs> um, you know, I've, that's my have... fault. I've been playing Call of Cthulhu on Thursdays, and uh, Paul said we've got two or three sessions left. Um, I scrubbed this Thursday with him because a couple of um, a couple of people were not feeling too good, but we're going to like push through. And I was like, "Look, it's right at the end. You don't want to be like sat not really participating because you're not feeling it, but you were felt guilty and wanted to play." So I was just like, "Yeah, I can't come." So that's the two people. So let's skip it. But I that's another thing that we're just doing over Discord. No roll twenty, anything like that. Just the theater of the mind kind of thing where. You just everything's descriptive and it works really well and like the transition between like the in-game talk and the banter is pretty seamless and I think it works really well. So yeah. I know we were I think we we're talking about off air, but like doing uh, some Star Wars games on Discord and stuff like that. I know um I think again, leaning on stealing ideas from the crates or a change. Um <laughs> uh, they have <laughs> slight uh, dig. <laughs> It's fine. Um, I'm teasing. I'm totally teasing. That, uh, they From, are, are running. You talking about? I, I never heard of them. Um, they have a um, a crate squadron um, Star Wars game where it doesn't matter if you're there or not. Anyone who wants to can like post that they've got an idea for a one shot, and it's you basically take your character from one game to the next. So it's kind of like turning up to Adventures League randomly and just. I was just, I was just going to say, it's exactly what yeah. that sounds like. But it's basically just an excuse. Someone will pick a date. I'm running, going to run a game on this date. Uh, they've got the population density on their server where it works better than it would for us. So like, we're still relatively small, but like all the tools are there if people want to come and use the server. I know like um, Greg and some of his friends use the server to play WoW when they don't want to do stuff with the guilds, right, just jump in the di- dissect one and use the, I mean, I had to create a wow voice channel so that people could uh, use that and not be dis- disturbed. <laughs> Sean, but, are you yeah. still doing wow at all? Um, I haven't in uh, about the last two months. I'm just hopefully hoping that burning crusade comes out. Cause that's where I would like to jump back in and play. Wow. That's a good, that's a good starting point. It is. Well, because like when I played vanilla, I played you know up to the point when Burning Crusade started, and then probably like a month into it, and then I stopped playing WoW. So all the other stuff I've already experienced, it's all the same shit. It's just some minor differences here and there. And the other thing about WoW is with vanilla WoW is it fluctuates. You know, you get a good group, 
that you hang out with, and then that group kind of fizzles. You find another one, and it fizzles. So it's just like the other thing is, is that it was great for me in the beginning because that's right when I had my back surgery. So I was off yep. work for that whole time, and it was a week after the surgery that, I, or like eight days after the surgery, went live. So that was kind of nice. It got me through that whole period. But after a while, you know, I have a, a level sixty, a level. 40 something you know and a bunch of other characters so really, you, you did max out on vanilla then yeah you know and i did i did what i wanted to do i didn't want to do like anchorage and all those i i got to do molten core again a couple times and that was fun there you go but bring back some memories there yeah you know but ultimately i, I want to wait hopefully they'll do burning crusade and then i'll jump back into it pretty much feet first and then play it till i get bored with it and, you know the the renewal i did the six month thing to, to pay for it because it's cheaper and you know it just renewed not too long ago so hopefully burning crusade will come out within that time frame hopefully this is where i get to laugh at you now sean because um like this is your and ed's tangent into wow where i'm just like i've got no fucking idea you yeah, never did wow uh, uh, well, fucking look at me, man. I used to go out and drink and actually interact with real people, you fucking nerd. <laughs> oh. yeah, 2004 was Chris's prime time, you know. It must have been. Yeah, that, that was um, peak 43 squadron, going out every Thursday night, getting absolutely shit-faced, and uh, living in the block, not having to pay for food, so all of my money could go on beer and computers. And, um Yeah. Good times, man. Or else Good I would, would have been on detachment somewhere, you know? Don't have time for, like, being a nerd. God. <laughs> Do you have any other number of guys in the military that I played with when I was playing WoW? Yeah. Losers, a lot of them. <laughs> not, not like me, buying a new, uh, a new Warhammer army, spending money on that. <laughs> or shipping off models that you're not using so you can buy another, mo- another Warhammer army. <laughs> no, um... I never liked WoW or any of those games because I, one of my friends was in a pretty high level um, raiding guild, and the pre- I, I just used to see how stressed he would get, where he'd get um, get a shift where he'd have to work on a Thursday night or something, and uh, it would like, affect him as a person. And I'm like, this is supposed to be something you're doing for fun, like you're not letting anyone down. It's a game, and I know like, that's not the mindset and I had no interest in that side of the game, so I, there was no end game for me. In my heyday, I ran almost a 700-player guild. And Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> yeah. and I did Why it, does that not surprise me? And I did it for six months, and then I decided, well, I it was decided for me that I couldn't play anymore, so... Um, I passed it, you know, did the same thing I did with X-Wing as I passed it on to someone else. And the difference was probably within a month after I passed it, it the whole guild was dead just because the guy couldn't manage that many people and all the things that you're trying to do. And one thing when you have guilds that large, and we had about a 200 player active player base. So in a 24 hour cycle, we would probably have a hundred players on. And within a 48-hour cycle, you'd have, at some point, all 200 players. And when you're, when you're a guild that active, and, and, and I'm talking, we had 600 players in the guild. We had 200 that were heavily active and then periodic people. But the thing you're always fighting is other guilds pilfering your players. 
And yeah, that's because you always have their heralds out there trying to suck down your players. Right. You know, they would go on a, you know, five man, you know, five man dungeon with another guild master and they're just trying to suck them, suck them away from you. And the one thing about, you know, you guys know me, everything was very fair in the guild. If there was ever any disputes, which there were, you know, I was extremely fair to everybody. I would listen to everybody. And, you know, I think I only booted probably 20 people, maybe less out of that guild. Just because there was a lot of incentive in the guild, you know, we had we had competitions to wear gold giveaways, you know. So, I'm just gonna say, Sean, you know how I would run a fur guild. I, oh, what's that? You both want this legendary item that's good for your class. Well, the only way to settle this furly is if I take it. Any other disputes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you 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 take it and then disenchant it right in front of them. That's a <laughs> You get the void crystal and just walk away. But, you know, that that's the whole goal. You know, it's just like with everything, you know, it's just you got to be fair. And and when I ran the guild, it, it ran really well. And it was a ground up guild because it was in 2005. I can't remember, it was like February, March. It's when they had the, the first run of the new servers that they added in. So I went to a new server. Within a day or two, I was able to get enough gold to be able to start the guild and literally started it from day one and had really good people. I had a lot of friends. Unfortunately, you know, you kind of die off from WoW is one of those games that your friends don't carry over into real life. Yeah. You know, it's so just they're all still yeah. raiding, John. Yeah. They're yeah. all still raiding. It's some of them that I know still play. Like, they play retail WoW, and they're really high up in guilds and stuff. But I don't know them. You know, I know of them, but I don't know them anymore. But I For suck. Me, the, the grind started just really getting to me. Do you know what well, I mean? Like, you can only get, like, Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier X, Tier Y, Tier Z armor, like, get maxed out on all that before you're like, what, what am I doing? An extra couple of points here and an extra couple of points there? Like, it starts to, that's what really got me. Yeah, what, what really started to get me was when they, because I still played periodically through Lich King. And what really burned me out was dailies. Yes. You know, having to do the dailies every day. And that was a Burning Crusade edition was dailies. Yep. Oh, that, yeah. And that's where, that's where the, that's where they started building the habit. That, the, the vanilla wow was the, here's the free taste kind of thing. Well, free by Blizzard standards. Um, But Burning Crusade introducing the dailies, having to hop on. Um, It's developing that daily habit of I'm online every day. Right. And when you got to the point where, you know, your dungeon running became a job and then yes, and dailies became a job and everything became more of a job than it was, it really stopped being fun. And that's why I didn't laugh. And I remember it wasn't two weeks or a month. It was longer than that in Burning Crusade, but I didn't last very long because the tedium of it just got to me to where it wasn't fun anymore none, none of it was really exciting anymore i guess i read yeah, I'm, I'm gonna burn two hours doing my dailies yeah. and then i've got to go on this raid that's gonna that's three to four hours of my time i I've ran that for seven hours yeah i ran it for a year i mean yeah. it's, not, it's not more worthwhile than listening to a tour podcast about x-wing that isn't about x-wing <laughs> chris i have never listened to any podcast in my entire life so i don't even know mm-hmm. What the hell you're talking? About? I used to listen to Nova Squadron Radio, and then I was on it, and it decided it wasn't worth listening to anymore. Um, I, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know what a podcast was when Roy asked me to be on it. To be honest, I kind of knew because I was supposed to be on uh, what was what was Ricky's 
Um, Scum of Villainy. Yeah, so when yeah, Scum but it was, Villainy... It was something else before. It was like X Factor. Or no, it was Scum and Villainy the whole time. Because I was on when Greg was on that. It was Greg and Ricky were on that. And they interviewed me, and I had to do it through SoundCloud or one of those things. Yeah. And I had to send them... I had to send it to them. Yeah. And when what, what ended up happening... No, it was before that. I think... I can't remember exactly, but somehow Ricky couldn't use my audio. So I did this two-hour thing with them talking about community building in Omaha and, and Kansas City and all of that that wasn't even used. So, like, they did the podcast, and they had me in there, but they nobody could hear me. So it was like Greg and Ricky talking. And oh, right, how, yeah, that's how they described it, you know. And I just kind of laughed, and then I really never thought of it. Up until when Roy brought me in, and I don't even remember when that was. When, when so he brought we're me in. on episode two. So the best one, the best podcast I used to listen to was um, Podhammer, and that would yes. have been in like two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. That sounds about so, right. Some Aussie guys talking about Warhammer. That was the best. Yeah, Warhammer Fantasy too, and they yeah. did, had strong distinct. So I used to listen to both. I used to listen. So you had Podhammer, you had the Aussies that were doing Podhammer, which was fantastic if you're a fantasy player, and then you had 40k Radio, and they had a nice. Yeah, I listened friend, to both. But... Yeah, nice yeah. rivalry. The funny part about that is that I'm still friends with both of them. <laughs> like I talked to Phil like two days ago. Yeah, uh, I have some. I have a dice bag in this cabinet here, signed by Jeff Carroll, with some Podhammer dice, which I use for my Goblin Army. Oh, I have, over my shoulder, the Ultramarines uh, Omnibus, signed by Graham McNeil himself, that I won from 40k Radio. <laughs> I, I, if we I don't have to... my Worldwide War t-shirt, because I gave that to my best friend, so he oh. couldn't play so literally um, in my hands right now, Phil did. Do you remember that? What was the other spaceship game that came out? Um, Phil tried doing his own podcast for another show that ended uh, for another game that kind of died, but he did his own podcast called Firebase Delta, and I have my Firebase Delta. Firestorm D6's. Armada. Firestorm Armada. That's what it was. That's what it was. So it I would have been exporting D sixes. So you'd have done that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. So. Shall we actually do some X-Wing content before we get to like two hours? Because I think we, <laughs> we we waffled on a little bit from seven, so it's like quarter past nine now. So we're probably yeah. hitting like two hours in a bit. All right, so you should you so, should probably stamp this somewhere on the show notes yeah. if you do so, so real quick, I got one thing to say. Yeah. I knew I knew that our what we were doing jumped the shark the day. That somebody had me sign, it was in Kansas City, had me sign the full face art Han Solo card. And I'm just Ooh. like, why? You know, that that's where I realized that our podcast was something more than just a podcast back then. <laughs> and I probably signed 20 or 30 autographs with it. I always had people coming up, I love your, you know, love you on the podcast. And it's just like, Thanks, you know, I mean... You and Chad, man. You and Chad getting everywhere. Yeah, I'd be standing uh, uh, next have... to Chad and nobody knew who I was, but they fucking knew who he was. Uh, but I... Nobody knew who I was until they heard my voice. And that's what that was the same thing with Chad. As soon as they heard his voice in a room, people would come 
Yeah. And I'd be standing right next to him. And I would oh, be yeah, looking right at here. <laughs> I would be looking at him saying, Yes, I'm the person who is probably boring the living shit out of you while you're listening to the podcast. But the thing that always the that I talk. Oh, the thing fun. that always got me was I always thought right, even now I, I don't get it. I you should you should definitely come and join the Discord because I will right, treat you the same as I'd expect you to treat me, you know? You just we're all just people come and hang out. Like my opinion's no more valid than yours. It's it's irrelevant. And I never I never got it. I've never ever signed anything for anyone. I've like I've got met people go out for a drink, buy them a drink, you know, and all of that stuff. Anyone ever bought me a drink and always buy them one back and do that kind of stuff. But yeah, I never really understood X Wing fame. It's a little bit weird for me. But. Yeah, my weird, my weird one. If, if Sean got to share his weird one, I'll share my weird one before we actually talk actual X Wing. Um, whenever, um, what was the Greenman Designs that was doing the first? Like they were like the yeah. first, one of the first big companies that was doing some of the um, acrylic templates and stuff. Acrylic templates, and of course, I had Nova Squadron Radio ones one uh, made up, and we had gone to a store championship down in Maryland, and I set up against my opponent, had talked to him in person, face to face. For a good five minutes before we sat down and I pull my stuff out and I've got my Nova Squadron Radio um, templates out. And he goes, oh, did did you get those from the show? And I'm like, no, I'm on the show. And he went, oh, you're that? <laughs> that was my moment. That was my moment right there when I'm like, I don't believe that just first of all, the fact that he recognized the name was amazing to me. The fact that, oh, you're that Ed was the one that got me. <laughs> Those, I are, still those have are funny those. moments. They I are. Still, I still have mine that I have made. Yeah. I still, they're the ones, they're the ones that are in the, like I had one of those wooden cases, like that you can put all your things in. Those are the ones that are in my case right now. I yeah. used to use the um, regional ones that those are in my display case now that I won. Um, still mad that I gave away the dice, but thank you to Richard Sue for helping me complete my set. I still have my clear acrylic <laughs> 2014 regional dice. Okay, I'm gonna drag us kicking and screaming to get this show done. We were we'll never working finish. on X Wing. We started getting to that direction. I would say we're doing it now. So we're gonna look at the viewing right. first, and I'm Love just gonna me. I'm gonna rough shoot, rough on us all the way through this. We're not gonna do it card by card. Like if I let Ed do it, so the viewing we have the dial, which looks pretty good. It's got interceptor blues, all of them. And then like one herds as well. It's got one banks but a red. But you can put a droid on it and make them not red, so it's fine. You can. Um, so the thing I wanted to talk about for this, because I think this is more fun than talking about what's good, is if you pull up the Alpha 3E-esque configuration, and I just want to talk about how bad this is. All right. So obviously it's for the Nimbus class viewing only. When you perform a primary attack, you may spend your lock on no. the defender to change. No, no. Ask not bash. Yeah. Oh. Number Keep five. going. Yeah. Don't read the one that's almost good. That's almost good. Okay. Yeah, that so one's almost good. Yeah. So two recharging energy. Uh, when you perform a primary attack before rolling attack dice, you may spend two energy. If you do, your crit results inflict ion tokens in ion tokens instead why so the crit so, yeah so all right let's let's go back and look at what a v-wing is yeah so it's a two attack dice ship so this only works on the primary i have to spend both my charges before i roll my dice so like on each dice there's a one in eight chance of rolling a crit so chances are you're not going to get one 
And if you do, it has to get through. And if it does, it was a crit. So instead of doing a crit to them and maybe killing them, you might eye on them instead. Well, and keeping in mind, it says results, plural. So if you happen to get Yahtzee and you pull two crits, you just burn two crits for ion yep. tokens. Yep. I, Why? I, I do not know a points level at which I would take this card. I don't know that zero is a good point silver for this. I think so. I did my like initial impressions of it, and I think I, I said I wouldn't take it for zero, and then I corrected myself because I like, I'll take jamming beam on something for zero just for memes. So yeah, I would put it on a ship for zero if I wasn't going to run the other config because why not? But then you you get the dilemma of you might accidentally declare using it, which is always the wrong decision. Yeah. I don't. But, I don't I mean, the only way that, that this thing would should ever go on a ship is if it's worth like minus two points. Yeah, like this just yeah. makes your attack work, like worthless. I don't. Well, like, this wording is so bad. I'm just so upset about this card. I don't like, know that I necessarily say worthless, but it's definitely you're trading something really, really good for something that's. I was just okay. going to say. I was just going to say it's to me it's worthless because. Unless you have something that, unless they put in an effect where ions somehow become damage, this just, uh, here's the thing. Why would I want to burn the two energy for this? Now, it would be a good card for the two energy, correct? I mean, because you can use it off anything, correct? It, I'd yeah. make the argument, why would I want to burn the crit for this? Well, uh, my my point is the, the energy is relatively irrelevant all that does is control how often you can make the wrong decision and use right. it because it's just every other turn but like yeah if you did something what's the droid where you can take uh take an um you flip a token from one i think like chopper so if you could put rebel chopper on this one and steal its upgrades or whatever that would be fine but like, I don't know. It's just if it did something like Bosk uh, does, where you trade one hit, one crit for two hits. Like if it did something where you traded one yeah, crit like, for double ion. Okay, maybe not we even. Can talk no, so then. I, I would say like, I would have used. I would have been happy with this card as a viable choice. And this is talking about a card that I'm only willing to put on for the memes at zero points. So I would not pay a point for this ability. But no. if you made it something like um, the critical effect for this card inflicts a damage instead of a face-up damage card. So effectively, it crits do a damage and an ion token. Yeah, okay, that, that works that's, too. That's really good. Cool. I would pay for that. Yeah, if it, I would agree. If it was after rolling dice, you may spend two. But yeah, that's okay. I'd pay for that. Because right. at least yeah. you know what... When, if, if, if you knew after the fact... And you could, let's say, run a ship off the board because of this. That would make it really good. But not even. It's just the fact that you, you at least you know you've got like even if you've only rolled a, a blank and a crit, you can use it in the hope that you get the eye on for a control for next turn. Right. But because you've got to do it before, and then you can't do it again next turn, you're always in that opportunity cost mode of like, do I use it now or do I wait until I've got the target lock focus shot and. But is it worth it on a two dice just... attack Right, right. So, like, I think if you go to the next card in the uh, in the stack that they have, R seven A seven, 
Uh, this is a, a Republic-only droid. While you perform an attack, you may spend one one of its three charges to change one hit result to a crit result. <laughs> so I know exactly what's <laughs> happened here. Like, there's a name... There's obviously a named pilot. So like, Oddball is like the fucking Initiative 5 pilot who's bound to be stupidly cheap because Oddball's ability is still garbage. Like they've they've not changed the ability, they've just put him on yet another. But it's like, oh well, if you put the ion thing on him and this droid, you can like control people and always be moving after them and like just kill them that way. I'm like, oh that. So what you're exactly. saying is rather than increasing the points cost of R seven, A seven, you've just made the fucking config garbage. Thanks. So yeah. now you've got a conf- a config that could go on every V-Wing and be an interesting choice, which is now reduced to being a meme gimmicky combo card with this droid. And that's the only way you'll ever see it. And even then, I would still not like paying... like no, But that the stupid thing is because this card exists, they probably won't put it at zero points. Right, no, exactly. So they what they've done is they've effectively... Because inc- if you're going to take the droid, you're going to take the card... You've effectively said the droid's not really four points, it's really eight points because you've got to buy both of them to get the combo to work off. Yeah, it's. I, I don't often go and you're on sacrificing like a tirade for- against the game design of stuff, but I think that is so, so bad. Right. It wouldn't be the first card that they've printed that you looked at it and went, that's garbage, I'm never going to take that. that. That's the old <laughs> argument that Sean's always brought up about the, the behind the, the back of the, the book. Back of the, the, book yeah, the back of the book card. Uh, but like I, there were some in those cases, like proton torpedoes were back of a book cards because they, they were, too, were expensive. too expensive. Not like it, all, we saw that once you had, like they became they came into a meta because of other things. So like you got um, extra munitions. Yes. Gave, so like you added two points to the overall cost, but got an extra shot, and that moved it to a front of a book card. Yes, I don't. Like, that droid is the only thing that makes this not a back of a book card. And in that instance, like, there's no excuse for this when they're in the same pack. <laughs> yep. Like, you you can't can really you. you can't release a shit card and the fix for the shit card in the same pack at the same time. <laughs> uh, I'm so annoyed. So, are there any tie upgrade cards that would go with this? Um, so the Ion Limiter Override is um gives you the barrel roll you you can uh, after you fully execute a red maneuver you may barrel roll even while stressed so i do, I do actually like this especially for like a tie defender you can do a one hard and still barrel roll mm-hmm. um, and that's like pretty cool but then i carry on reading the rest of the words and i get sad um if you do roll an attack die on a hit, you gain a strain token. I'm not too bothered about that because if I'm flying Rex or in his defender and I'm doing a one hard and then a barrel roll, I'm probably doing it to dodge arc anyway. But then this ion one, if you roll a crit, you get an ion token. And this is where I get to be a giant hypocrite because I just complained that rolling two attack die is probably not going to roll me in a crit to get the ion on the opponent. But when I'm rolling the attack die, that super feels bad and I don't want to do it. Oh yeah, especially when it's uh, it's something that could hurt you. You're absolutely gonna roll that. And like that's it's it's just risk aversion. So I I appreciate the fact that I am a giant hypocrite in stating that this is worse than the esque title, but this is something you do to yourself. So risk aversion makes it feel worse. Yeah, and obviously there's no defense die against this. 
Would you would you call this self flogging at that point? <laughs> but um, I so I do like I actually still like this because I think there's definitely times where it's going to be worth it, and like there's also probably times where doing a one straight with a tie fighter probably isn't the worst because like you never get to do one straight, so you just get to feel special anyway. Mm-hmm. But it, because I was really excited for using it on a tie defender until I got to that last part. And ironing my 70-odd, 80-point ace is not something I'm ever going to be willing to do. So um, it changes we, the ships. What are we talking about? Like, the reason why some of the best players have some of the best... It's all about uh, reducing that risk assessment. It's all about reducing the dice rolls affecting the outcome of your game. And this yeah. is one of those instances where a dice roll can affect the outcome of your game. Then the other one was the uh, the precision ion engines which is two charges. Before you execute a speed one to three Kyogran turn, you may spend one charge to execute it as a Segnor's loop maneuver instead. It's TIE Fighter only and Agility 3 only. So no TIE Bombers, no TIE Reapers, no TIE Strikers. But Does it say TIE? You know. Oh yeah, because of the Agility restriction, that's why. Yeah, tie, Agility 3. But yeah, I, that's really good. I do like this one. I like that one. I, what... I. Again, this starts getting into the, well, how good is it? How many points are you willing to pay for that to have that on a standard stock standard TIE Fighter or, in your instance, like a TIE FO? Let's be honest. You're not going to pay to put it on eight academies and say they're now the equivalent of playing against FOs. No, no. But the thing you... The reason it's good is if you're using an ace TIE Fighter, having the option, because you dial in your your K-turn... And you get to pick the signals when you execute a maneuver. Yes. So it's effectively slave one for your K turns on TIE Fighters. Yes. So I can see use cases for this one. Yes, absolutely. I'm already having visions of how good that could be. You just need to find the right TIE platform with three agility that has a K turn at speed one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. And again, it's points It's points dependent. If it's eight points or five points, it's not worth it. it not on a ship that, that cheap. Then if you go to a next card after that, Sean, you get to play Yu-Gi-Oh! and play play your trap card. The Q7 Astromech, Republic only. While you barrel roll or boost, you can move through or overlap obstacles. Oh, get in. So Anakin's coming in now. I'm going to barrel roll him onto this asteroid. Oh, what do you mean I rolled a crit and can't shoot? <laughs> because it lets you do it. It doesn't say you ignore the effects. Right. I think I think you would want to try to do it if you can go through I mean, if, if there was, if I could pay to put this on my opponent's ships, I probably would. Yes, it would be an incredible card. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. you thought your barrel roll was going to fail because of the asteroid. Well, I reveal Q7 Astromech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there's use cases. Like you say, Sean, um, being able to go through stuff and get to the other side is good. Oh. But you're still going to be actionless, and you're still going to have to roll. But well, you you won't be actionless because you'll have done your action to well, do yeah, it. So yeah. Um, so I the only use case I can think of is you might risk it if you did a blue maneuver anyway. So you're not or a blue or a white maneuver, so you're not stressed, and your boost or barrel roll isn't going to stress you. You might risk it through a debris and be happy with the stress. And you'll probably do like you do it if you play in Gasquoids. So this is a Gasquoid only card, I think. Unfortunately, you can't control what your opponent brings. So. That's what I was just going to say. Is now you're corner casing again? 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like I said, I think this is much funnier if I could pay to put this ability on my opponent's ships. So okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a devil's advocate question here. With these cards and what we're seeing in these cards, are they running out of ideas? <laughs> I honestly think that they're looking at design space they hadn't explored as much of in second edition. And yeah, yeah but just executing it. I, I just think it's executed badly. I don't think this is a bad card. Obviously, I think it's a better card if you make it ignore the effects, but then I think it has to be a dotted card. I don't think you can let me spam that, because literally I just put it on all of my Jedi. And just, I, yeah. I get that. I, but now you're looking at cards, though, that effective usefulness, you're actually printing cards that unless you print something else, which we haven't seen yet, that makes them useful in some realistic way i mean this one's a good a good analogy for you and ed but is there any reason for the green creature like the burr to exist in magic just a green what one one green mana one gray mana two two creature no abilities so the short answer to that question is that depends on the case but so, for example, right? the short yes, there is yeah. a use for that creature. And the, the, the use for that creature is if I'm in a draft and I'm drafting green and I need creatures, there is a use case for having a two-casting card, 2-2. It's a 2-2 two, 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 for 2, yeah. It's a 2-2 two, yeah. two, two. Yeah, It's a body but, on the board. It's generic. There are, there are use cases for it. Yeah, what but I when, do you, is that, is when, when I designed the card pool, I could have chosen to put a good card in, but I didn't. I chose to put... The two, the two, two for two. And I'm going to throw this uh, out there, Chris. With Magic, though, they actually design cards like the two, two for two on purpose because Magic is built for three different categories of gaming, basically. Uh, yes. The draft, the sealed, and the standard play. You're probably never going to put it in standard play, but it has usefulness and other uses because you have other play formats. With this... There's only really one type of, you know, yeah, there's multiple, but there's really only one play no. format with this. So when you put a card in... And it doesn't really function. Yeah. And oh, you're, but, you're, well, you're, that's the thing. Like, it does do a job. It's just the value of that job does not, at this point, appear to be worth what you'd have for potential cost. Because well, right, let's be honest, if you boost over a mustache rock and roll a blank, well, there were no consequences oh, of using this card. Yeah. But what I'm really going back to, Chris, is that card along with Alpha 3ES. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm talking about here is that Alpha 3ES is valueless. Unless, unless, yeah. unless you go to the next card and do R7A7, which still makes it valueless so, with a, with a, with a trick. Yeah. But my argument would be more along the lines of by making that card only have value in a combo. You are returning the game to a 1.0 state where you're looking for making it a card game again, not a tabletop yes, game anymore. Exactly. That's where I'm going um, with this. Right. Q7, Astromech will be the same thing. The use cases for it will be dependent on what else you can put on the ship. Right. But that's, that is the, the key problem to some of this design space, is that you are returning the game to a state in which the players said they didn't want. Right. I would be loved to um, say that... Right. So, this is a slight tangent, but... Um, this is lack of focus. Fly, it's nothing fly but better. a slight tangent. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Farmer did a poll on Flybet the other week, asking if people would rather win 
um, win a blowout game or lose a close game? What do you think won that poll? Win a blowout. That's not nope. the choice I would make, but really? Nope. No, and I see why. Everyone lied to them. <laughs> Everyone were just fucking liars and said they would rather, rather lose a close game. All of these people are the same people who are complaining that they have like, are playing like uh, Nantex swarms because it's the winning list at the moment. So if you uh, if you would legitimately rather play fun games and close game, why are you taking a metal list? Like, exactly. why aren't you playing for fun? Like, what you would much rather win in a blowout and go and win your event and get your acrylics and feel like the big man and. Uh, <laughs> That's ultimately what competitive play is, is, yeah. is that process. But getting back to my point, Chris, is that it just seems to me, and you are 100% correct, you're creating a card game, you're creating a card effect game again, and mm-hmm. that relies on everything else. If you can, So now they've put these cards in play, now you have to watch your designing. Yeah. Because you could end up with the C3, you know, the Super Chewy combination or <laughs> the Intel agent. And what, what, what made three, what, to me, what made three, um, Echo, Whisper, actually what made those two really good was Intel agent. Yep. Because once you knew what your opponent could do, you had free reign to make your pre-move moves before you move. And the way Echo was built and the way that Whisper was built, it, you could win a game with two ships on the board and have a you know large enough bid to have an issue. Yep, but look, it's a combination Uh-oh. of cards. It's the card game, correct? And that's what I'm saying. I think the 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 majority of that competitive load player base actually likes it when it's a card game because they get to feel like the big brain in the list building phase, and that will carry them through being shit at playing on the table. Except for the really, really, really good top players, then. They're really yeah. good with really good cards here. Or they're able to, you know, I mean, really, Ryan, really good players. Could, I've always held that in the position that really good players could beat meta players with a bad list because <laughs> they're, they are a better player. Uh, so I don't care how, I don't care how good the list so is. I've played I, I'm it going to say times, something, I know how to that, beat it. which is going to be, be me riding the controversy now. I'm going to ask you a non-loaded, honest question. When did you see Paul Heaver win Worlds with a bad list? Well, he never did. He, he never did. Yeah. Does, does, does that not just blow Ed's statement out of the water then? Because no. it doesn't matter if Paul Heaver could win with a with a bad list. He never did because he's not a moron. Comparatively, well, yeah. But I mean, but, if you... Your argument's a straw, but it's a straw man argument because oh, a good player wouldn't bad. take a bad list. Then they wouldn't be a good player. Very much understood. Mm. See, all right, so I'm going to push back on that one. I don't agree with that statement at all. So which one of the three world championships that Paul won was with a bad list? You're basing it in a strict, um, uh, you're basing it on a very small sample size, uh, effectively, whenever you're speaking specifically at Worlds. The statement that I made was I've maintained that a good, the, the great players could beat a meta player with a bad list. That didn't um, caveat that by saying it had to be in a competitive environment. It didn't yeah. caveat that by saying it had to be at Worlds. My statement was that if I, you took Paul, well, he's one of our favorites and Paul's a great guy. Um, if you took Paul and gave him a mediocre list against a quote unquote, I'm only here for the acrylic meta player, 
I still maintain my position that Paul could still beat him with that list, whether it is in a competitive environment or not. Now, are you accurate in your statement that did Paul ever win worlds back to back to back with a bad list? No, but that wasn't that wasn't the the the, the basis for my statement. The basis for my statement was skill over list. And I think with the, the argument that I'm trying to make is that I've always maintained that the list can't save you. Ultimately in the end it happens, it's always skill over list. So do you remember how much practice Nan said he had with Dengaru? I don't remember. It's I don't I remember. remember. Do you, would you want me to tell you that? how much practice Nan had with Dengaru before he won Worlds? Did he build it that day? Am I remembering that correctly? No, he, he had a weekend's worth of practice. He played like six games with Dengaru. I'm not saying that there aren't broken lists. I'm not. I'm he, not... Played, he played more games in the tournament than he did with, prior to the tournament with the list. Mm-hmm. And won Worlds. How many? I mean, that that feels I, like I a problem with the list to me. When Nan when Nan won it, that was the pre the pre invitational, correct? He won yeah. it was still yeah, that was still lottery system. Kidding. When you look at worlds, worlds was fifty percent usually Minnesota players, and out of those Minnesota players, you probably yeah, have five or six. You're getting right into the players. same point that I'm going to. How so? All Again, I, I get Chris's point about being a straw man argument, but everything in this is a straw man argument because you have if you start breaking down one thing, you have to break down the next and the next to the point where yeah. it's just, just everything's in I, I, I wish I could agree with you, but I think in first edition X Wing, there is far more weight put on the list than there is on the player. First edition, yeah. Uh, so given that the conversation to- is that the threat of a danger of some of these card combinations is that it heralds a return to that kind of list building. That's what the conversation at the card conversation I hope, I hope not. I, unfortunately, I think it's definitely gaslighting into that particular direction. I think it's definitely what the gaslighting is not the right word I'm looking for. It's definitely signaling in yeah. that direction. If that's the if that's the the, the design space that they're digging back into, no, no, gaslighting is just what I've been doing to you guys in this D and D campaign. Sorry. Yes, no, we're <laughs> but oh. That's a complete aside. I, I've I've got to get off this horse because otherwise I'm going to be on this one. But my my, my point being, no, I understand always, your point. I just disagree with it. We can agree. We'll so, have to agree. So here's the deal. I agree with Ed's point when you put it into a vacuum. So if you're talking yes, about if you're talking about it on a put it everything being equal, you're putting it on a casual table. Yes. If you're putting it on where Chris is coming from. It is a straw man in that regard if you're looking at it from true competitive, true everything else, yes. Here's what I say to all of it. If you have a guy that's just walking into the game and you give him a metal list and you give a, we'll call it a pro player, because even though they're not, but a pro player in X-Wing, and you give them a mediocre list that they understand, they're probably going to win the game. Not because the the list or anything, it's because they understand the game and the cards and how to use those cards and the game better than the new player or the newer player with a metal list. And it's the same thing I've seen in Magic. I've gone to Magic tournaments playing a metal list and place in the 300s not because the cards, they were all the same as a person across from me. He just knew how to play them better. So, and he had the RNG oh, better. And well, he had that RNG better. 
You may or may not know this, Ed, so don't feel any pressure behind the question. If you don't know the answer, it's fine. But like the like the top decks, decks in Magic, what kind of win rates do they have? So uh, with the exception of the most recent ban uh, on a card uh, that they had to rotate out, that particular deck was floating somewhere in between the 70 and 74% win ratio at the most recent online tournament, which is the reason why that card got fucking banned as well. It should have been. Wizards yeah. maintains the position that any deck that has over a 51% win ratio in combined with uh, MTGO tournaments and on-the-table tournaments is subject to review for bannings and restrictions. And they don't do restrictions anymore, so it's usually just straight-up bannings. So once a okay. list gets to that level that it's up and so over like, the 51% so range... A, a 54% win rate would be crazy high, then. I don't know. I was. I don't know if I necessarily used the word crazy high. It would be high. So what about like? So what about if 60%? I told you? If I told you that vulture swarms had a seventy-four percent win rate, you're making my case for. Um, in that instance, you are making my case for the quote-unquote banned and restricted list. Or no, no, but, no, but, that's not what, but you're saying that the fact that they have a seventy. So Sean's example of a good player beating an average player. In Magic, you're talking about a difference in win rates of 2%, a 49% win rate deck against a 51% win rate deck. I'm talking about a 40% win rate ship against a 75% win rate ship. But is it- that, that's what your, your argument is saying, that skill can overcome that deficit. And I, I think we are massively off, off topic and haven't done enough research to argue this properly. I, I do but- agree with the lack of research, but if you're going anecdotal off the top of your head and from experience you know you got to remember there is an experience side to this too of many many years watching this game unfold watching players in this game unfold games unfold i have to agree with ed to a degree like i said to a degree i have to agree with ed lists are great but if you don't know how to fly a list you're going to have a difficult time winning the list same thing in magic if you don't know how to run the deck and you don't know how to sideboard the deck in magic which is actually the key that's where that that skew comes into play. It's okay, so it's it's a difficult thing. Given, if, if, if deck given the, it's two different skill sets, okay, it's almost so comparison. Given that, um, what is it? The uh, the new the Nantex. So the Nantex like cr- was crushing vultures for a while. The vultures are currently still sitting at a sixty five percent win rate. They've got a seventy three percent win rate in the cut. Uh, that's over. 86, uh, 89 um, lists at the moment with, I can't see how many, uh, um, 410 matches. But the so, first thing out of there is skill level of the player. Yeah. yeah. You know, you get a, if you're getting 65% wins with 410 players, 65 per 100. So you're looking at, you know, a lot of tournaments probably, or a lot of games and tournaments with players who are well-practiced and if you could throw the variable in there, if somebody or let's say five out of those 65 out of the 100 are guys walking up the street, barely understanding the game, winning with it. Well, we don't have that variable. But if you had that variable, then I could agree 100% with you, Chris. Without that variable, though, I don't know. I can't. No, well, I, that's a, my point is that we're using the same kind of percentages as they are using in Magic. And that's where your grinding your argument is that in Magic. That is the case, but I'm saying that the the gap you have to overcome from in X Wing compared to something like Magic is infinitely larger. 
Well, right, because it's not a it it's not an apples to apples comparison when you recognize this, those percentages. Now, I'm not disagreeing that there's something that should probably be done for a rate win ratio of that height. Unfortunately, FFG is not going to recognize the events where that data is being pulled. Let's keep that in mind for starters. Um, but it's a different. It, 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 in Magic, it's a question of the skills of knowing how to use the cards in your hand in the proper way. In yeah. X-Wing, you have... Um, there's also one other thing, Ed, you have to throw into there. In Magic, you have tournament sizes that exceed 300 players to 1,000 players. I was getting to there. I was the, getting the, to that. The fallacy I would be leading into here is obviously the... Uh, the win rates in Magic for decks would be more accurate because you're getting a larger sample size. Like we we have to disregard. Right. Like at, at the moment, I'm looking at it now. There's one list that had four matches with a BTLB Y wing from a Republic. Matchstick has a hundred percent win rate, a zero percent win rate in the cut though. So that's one person played Matchstick, won four games, and then there wasn't a cut or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, the, the data isn't perfect, but it's the only thing we have to go on. Right. And, uh, and and you have to go further down that rabbit hole with tournament. How many players were there in that tournament? Yeah. Where in Magic, you there is an automatic assumption that the tournament is healthy, healthy size compared to X Wing, where a tournament could be that's posted. I don't know what the site is now, but old list juggler. You know, yeah. you would have a six player tournament up there. That would add those results into all the results, which then skew the results overall because it's a six-player tournament. And and yeah. the and, and you've kind of alluded to this a couple of times that it doesn't take into account the the player competency and skills. No, but neither so, do win uh, rates in Magic. Right, right. And I'm 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 taking that that, that into account yeah. in my in my statement. But my point being is that someone that won a six person tournament with a list, those could have, that could have been a new player tournament. Like there, there's oh, yeah. so many uh, I think, look, factors. Like, that, that, like, getting to how we got these percentages is irrelevant to my argument. Oh, all right. And that's yeah. fair. That's fair. That, yeah. that is, a, that is a rabbit hole. Yeah. But, yeah. Ma magic. I don't think is a fair comparison because there's so many layers in magic. Because if you look at, if you look at pro uh, players that make it to the top of tournaments compared to the average Joe, yeah. That skews I, it to... It just I 100% agree, Sean, which is why I brought it up, because Magic was your comparison. Well, I get that. No, I understand, but Magic is also yeah. better fleshed out. Yeah. Like, if if we were talking about Magic, I would be on 100% same team that a better player with an average deck will beat a worse player with a better deck. But we're not talking about Magic, was, my, was the crux of my argument. I get it. But I, I do fall into in a non-competitive setting. I agree with Ed completely that a better player, more competent player, would beat a lesser competent player with the list that he described. Yeah. In tournaments, it's it's a whole different story just because... Yeah, that's, that's a completely different... Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the other factor is in Magic, there's the RNG factor is a lot less because you can draw in Magic where the RNG in Still draws are, draws are evil, Sean. <laughs> Especially the intentional ones. I don't think I ever said that. No, I did just now. I know. I am 100% in favor of intentional draws. So am I. I always was. I had I had points that could cause problems with it, but, you know, which I, when we were on the other show, I brought up. But ultimately, intentional draws do nothing to the game. Yeah, it, it, so, it just hurts. It hurts, it hurts people's feelings. 
<laughs> yeah, it, except it takes four other people out of the potential contention for making those spots. Do, do you know? Do you want me to tell you what actually took them out of contention for making those spots? The losses losing, they got losing that I game know, earlier. I know, and I agree with that statement. Yeah, um, but I didn't remove their agency. Oh. They did by being shitters. I can't believe we're going to go into the Charlotte <laughs> regionals four Roanoke, years after the. Oh no! Did nothing wrong. Yeah. No, that's what it was. It was the Roanoke, the Roanoke yeah. regionals. I don't okay. Really I, I'm going to push this forwards because it's 11 o'clock, which means it's actually 1 o'clock for you and midnight for Sean. And I know Sean's been up like for hours no, and really no, busy no. today. I'm, it's, it's 11 for me, 12 for you. Yep. All right, okay, cool. I'm just terrible at reading. It's fine. Damn time. <laughs> um, so we're going to move on to a tri-fighter. And I, this is going to be... I was worried that we wouldn't get good X-Wing conversation, but it's fine. We actually did well, I think. We should have done. So, we should have front loaded with this one. Yeah, but we maybe didn't know. We, we thought it was going to be easy. Maybe when you edit this one, you put this part in the front and then left the leave the rest of the rant at the end. Um, I could just timestamp it. I'll have to, won't I? It's fine. Yeah, I think you. I think you might, especially for our X Wing only fans. Yeah. Anyway, the drive right. Yeah. So for this one, I want, do want to say, um, given how much I was deriding the V Wing, I'm probably still going to get four of them. I, I've. Yeah. I mine I really want because it looks so cool. I really want to be able to run four of them and then a kick-ass Jedi. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I'm not saying don't give me Anakin because that would. If you let me take a, a loaded Anakin and four of them, you've probably done something wrong. But you know, initiative and Obi Wan, give me an initiative five and four of these, and I'll be happy. But that's where I'm at at the moment. Well, that's because they're bad players, Chris. <laughs> It's Calgary, man. We're all bad players in Calgary. Luckily, we play for fun, so it's okay. Exactly. All right. So um, the tri fighter. I. Yeah. So I don't remember if I ever. I, I don't know if I can claim that I called this one, but I said if I wanted to see like a droid ship that would come in, I'd like. I would assume that the ship from Battlefront Two would come in. I know this. I almost positive that this was in Clone Wars. I don't remember it. Actually, this is the first time because I didn't play Battlefront, so I don't remember it, this ship. I like the look of the ship, but I don't remember it. It, it's their interceptor style ship. It was in Battlefront 2 whenever you played as the Droid Republic. Um, really cool ship. So I'm really, really kind of happy to see it into the into the game because um, it's a cool ship and it, it fills a void that that. Then, well, I guess I guess there are ships that kind of fill that void, but it's a cool interceptor style ship for the for them. And I think it's I think it's cool. But so at the moment, if you wanted to play an AC style ship, you had to have a living pilot in it. Was the point right. I think you were getting towards? Whereas in yeah, this, yeah, you have yeah, yeah, that, a droid ace. Yeah, that was the that you're right. That was the hole I was talking about that needed filled. Yeah. So the dial is just fun. That's <laughs> the thing. I, I just love it for all of the CIS ships. The dials are awesome. So it's got the one herds and the one talon rolls. Then the two herds are blue. The two banks are white. The two straight is blue. The three herds are blue. The three banks are white, and the three straight is blue. And then it's got a three K. A four straight is blue, a five is white, and then it's got a 5k. So I really like that dial. Yeah, just typical, I, it's got the dial. droid, but yeah, but the, the four straight being blue is amazing. Um, the three hard being blue is good. Oh, yeah. Um, three hard, two hards. Yes, absolutely. One talent roll. Hmm, where could this ship go? I like it, that. So the other thing I really like about this is the first upgrade they show off the interceptor boosters which is an attached and a detached side. 
So we've got a double-sided card. I'm going to talk about the detached side first because it's easier. It doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's c- yep. complete flavor text. That's it. Yep. But the uh, the attached side is three decreasing charges, which they did talk about decreasing charges in the current uh, update to a rules reference guide. Mm-hmm. It gives you the boost action, which you can also link into a red target lock. Is that a boost or is that a slam? A I know slam the game. action, sorry. I was going to say, slam. I know I'm not, the game. <laughs> I know I'm not yeah. that attached to the game, but... <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it's tri-fighter only, and then it's set up. You have to put it on the attached side face-up, because if you didn't, you've done it wrong. So, so you get a boost phase, for basically three turns. Yeah. During the system phase, gain one disarm token unless you flip this card over. So you can't fire while this card's active. Unless you can get rid of that disarm token somehow. At the end of the in the end at the end of the end phase, if you have no active charges, flip this card. So this so, thing is basically screaming down the sidelines to get behind your line as quick as possible, and it's sacrificing its shooting to do so. So turn like turn one, you just you do a casual like three straight. That seems all right. So you've you've moved four forwards if you're doing the counting to eleven. Mm-hmm. Then in turn two, five straight five k. Ooh, that's fast. I mean, if you're a little bit worried and you want to hedge your bets, you could do a two straight, and then depending on what move they've done, if you can count to 11 and know their dial, you can tell where they can block you from. So then you could do a two slam. So you've gone six forward in the counting to 11, and you can even link that into a target lock because you might be able to get a lock on them now. And then they've got to account for, are you just going to do a two straight and sit in front of them and shoot them? Or are you going to go like five and five again? Oh. oh, you could go three and three. You could just do a three. You could just do a five. Oh, the options. It's good. Yes. I really like this because it just messes up the opening. It messes up counting to 11, and I love it. Because counting yes. to 11 is such a... I, it's been around since wave one of first edition, being yes, able to count to 11 in X-Wing. You need to pick up. Yeah. Absolutely. And and this just kind of like messes with all of it, and it's fun. Then oh. the other one, I suppose we could should talk about... The actual card because it's uh, it's an interceptor. It's, yeah, yeah, three attacks, three agility, three hull. It's an interceptor. Calculate, evade, got... target lock, barrel roll into a evade, and then a boost into a calculate. Base. I really like the fact that they don't link into the same thing. Yes, it's just weird, and I like it because it definitely gives you the I'm barrel rolling so that I can get out of arc and adding the the evade or I'm boosting because I want to get into attack and I'm getting the calculate on top of it. I like that. Yeah. Um, same network calculations as the vultures. Mm-hmm. No, nothing different there, which means it can use vultures to fuel its network calculations. So you fly one of them with some vultures, they calculate for it, this guy evades, and then you're just not going to shoot it. You'll shoot the vulture because it's the easier kill. Right. If you're sat at range three of that group of three ships, you're going to shoot at the three agility, two calculates at a maximum, rather than the four agility, evade, and two calculates. So it protects your investment by giving it crap to get blown up around it, which I think is very on theme. Yep. Um, well, we'll see if I... Yeah, the, the, the first standardized card I remember seeing is um, independent calculations. So to equip this modification, you need to have a mod slot, obviously. But it's network calculations, and it's standardized. So standardized was in the new rules reference. And if you put it on a chassis, every chassis of that type that you take has to take it. 
because it's standardized across all of them. Right, all of them have to take this. Yeah. All right, so uh, the ability for it replaces the network calculations, which is spending someone else's focus. Uh, calculate, sorry. Um, while you perform a white calculate action, you may, may treat it as a red action to gain one additional calculate token. Other ships Ooh. cannot spend your calculate tokens using network calculations. Ooh. It's like a soft push the limit. Well, it, it's like um, the IGs where they get a double calculates. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or like 3PO, if you calculate, you get an extra calculate for free. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, I like it, and I would be tempted if I was only running like a couple of vultures to take this. Uh, if I was using vultures as filler rather than a full-on swarm, I think independent calculations is really good. So by standardized, just to make sure we're on the same page with the rules, by standardized, it means that all of those chassis, so if I'm only running two of these, both of them have to have it, but my vulture droids do not, correct? Correct. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll double check the wording on it while we're talking just to make sure I'm not lying, but I'm pretty sure it's only on that chassis. So if you take vultures and tri-fighters and you put it on a tri-fighter, the vultures don't have to take it is what I'm asserting. Okay, I'm, 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 a, I'm on board. But yeah, like, I think if I'm running, um, I'm trying to think of an old archetype where you do this kind of thing. If you were running like the full fat Darth Maul with protons and like all the up, so it's like a 110 point Maul or something, and then maybe like three vultures, or you could do like Maul, a Grievous, and a couple of vultures, giving those vultures independent calculations i think is well worth it no i completely agree because like yeah like stand um network calculations is really good when you've got a pool of tokens to to pull from when it's just the one or two it's obviously not going to be as uh as telling and scrolling down i'm at p r s standardized side slip no we don't want that standardized so we go some upgrade cards have a standardized restriction. During squad building, if a player selects a ship with a standardized card equipped, each ship of that type, i.e. full ship name, in that player squad must be equipped with a copy of a standardized card. So yeah. So in this case, yeah. it would be uh, Droid Tri-Fighter. It's the name at the bottom of the card, not the name at the top. Yep. Nope. I get it. Then it works. Yeah, it does work how I thought it does. Um, the ones I really like... Uh, the fearsome predators and unsurprisingly this will give you an indication of how many of these packs i'm going to order so it's initiative three and it's limited to three Uh, it's a fearsome predator so set up after placing forces assign the fearful prey condition to one enemy ship fearful prey after you defend against an enemy fearsome predator if you did not spend at least one green token during the attack gain one strain token So remember, you can't spend a token for null effect in second edition. Oh, so they have no choice. Like, if they don't happen to have roll focus, for example, and can't spend the tokens, Yeah, very nice. So the only thing that makes me sad about this is that whilst a Fearsome Predator is limited to three, Fearsome Prey is limited to one copy. What? So you can't put a Fearsome Prey on three different ships and then just go (laughs) and nail them all. Like... All three of you shoot this one. All three of you shoot the next one. You only get to pick one. Calm down, guys. And technically, the way it would work is you'd place the first one, place a condition on a ship, place the second one, 
remove place the condition on the ship and remove the old one and etc etc until you only had one and no more to place but still i really i really like it just from the feel of that it just seems fun yeah no that's hysterical i like that um and then i'm sure it was an initiative five one sure there was yeah there is uh i was just looking at him he... oh yeah uh, you can you can find this one first and then pronounce that name where is it? the initiative five. i'm definitely not looking at it right now but just refusing to say it right loud. what <laughs> where's chad when you need him i know what is it it's philic a prototype yeah a philic a prototype are the predictive analysis protocol so we have an initiative five droid ship which is an as in like an actual droid Mm-hmm. Which is good. I'm a big fan. During the system phase, you may spend your lock on a ship to look at that ship's dial. So remember earlier on when I was saying that if you can set up your opening to be the like um, slam into target lock in the initial phases of a game when it's irrelevant, and then K turn behind them, and then just look at the dial. It's fine. Just, just cheat because we all know that X wing's really easy when you know where we're going. Like, oh, Sean oh, was. Yeah. Espousing the uh, the joys of Intel Agent earlier. That he was. And do you know what's even better? Like, I just says I have to spend my lock. Once I've got you locked, I can spend that lock from anywhere on the table. I don't even have to spend it for my benefit. I could spend this and then block you with an initiative one vulture. This is true. Yep. So they, we go from one ship that is clearly got some problems with its upgrade cards to something like this. You've got a lot of cool baked-in abilities. Uh, this one is just like... Everything about it makes me want to play this and try things. Whereas in everything about the viewing leaves me hoping that I can do something else with an ace and just have them as filler. Because I'm bored of playing V19s. <laughs> uh, heaven forbid that Arctis ship we looked to be of a week or whatever is actually cheap enough to be a filler ship because then I don't think there's any reason to ever field a viewing at all, ever. But, yep. Yeah. So my only fear with um, the Tri-Fighter is if they let me take two Initiative 5s and three Initiative 3s, that I have to buy five of them in. Oh, you mean points-wise? Yeah. Uh, that's a fair point. Because I don't think I want five of them, and I don't think it'll be a good list, but that will not stop me from wanting to play it. <laughs> so You're exactly uh, the type of borrowing ships you gotta learn to borrow a ship did you see uh, the I, wall behind him he doesn't borrow jack shit <laughs> so i i'm gonna target lock you oh what's that you also happen to be a ship that has fearful prey oh i hope that i now don't know where you're going and have double re uh, both repositioning abilities on my initiative three ships but if they get to see you you just get strained for days that would make me sad on your behalf <laughs> on your behalf so i mean <sighs> I don't even know that it would be broken. I just know that there's potential for me to make someone really not enjoy that game. Yes, that is definitely a no fun experience uh, event right there. I, and the problem with it is, is that's a hell of a lot of setup to make it work. I, I've got to get your target locked, not spend it when I potentially shoot you. To target lock, I can't take any defensive mods. So I don't want to be getting shot. And then I, so I need to survive into the next round. Then I need to spend it and have other ships in a position to benefit from this. And you have to have not seen me broadcasting this by putting the fearful prey on that ship. So I, it's a hell of a lot of setup, but when it works, you're just not going to enjoy it. <laughs> so do we go back to the question that was asked from the podcast about losing a close game or winning a blowout? 
I, I don't care. Like, there's times, like, in this instance, to try this out, I would rather win in a blowout to try this out. Because that's the only <laughs> reason... Work once. Like, this isn't going to win in a close game. No. So it, like, that, this is a list where it works. You either lose a close game or you win in a blowout. Yes. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think there was anything else I really wanted to talk about. Those were the ones that really, really jumped out at me and, like, I felt were some potential for conversation. So. All right. Well, do we want to button up here since it is getting a little past Eddie's bedtime? <laughs> uh, should I, you know you're going to play Among Us if your friends are still playing. No, not at this juncture. At this juncture, I'm going to go up, check on my kids, and I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I was physically on site today. I said to get up early. Oh, you need Ooh. your your, uh, your rest for tomorrow squadron playing. Right, right. I need to squeeze some practice time in, and I need to squeeze some painting time in tomorrow. Because yeah. I don't want to have Chad shame me. I'm already going to be at the point where I'm going to be watching the Steelers game, and I'm going to be painting at the same time. Because, you know, fine. that's going to work out. Uh, all right. So, Chris, you've got some closing remarks you want to do. But before I do, I'm going to say... Uh, Thank you for joining, Sean, as always. Yep, it's good to be here. Um, kind of went a little longer than I thought, but I think we had some <laughs> good conversation. I agree. Yeah, I think I was going to suggest we like put a pin in the other topic and just do yours, uh, Sean, because I knew it was a good one, but we kind of like, rolled them both into one kind of amalgamated thing and then had two ships to talk about as well. And On top of that, the, yeah. And they spiraled into actual topics, so <laughs> hey-ho. Yeah, that's always dangerous for us when we go to real <laughs> yeah. topics. Yeah, and that was good. Hopefully, people enjoy it. Do you have some house cleaning you want to do? Yeah, um, obviously, we spoke about it earlier. I, if you're wanting, well, I think you should probably join the Dissect Discord because it's good fun and right. It's a relatively close knit community. We were talking about sandwiches and what constitutes a sandwich, and what is the best sandwich the other day. And um, Matt was wrong. <laughs> no, I, I was right. Grilled cheese. The FFG grilled cheese specifically. The original FFG grilled cheese, yes. Yeah. Right, let's see. What what else did we have? Yeah. So I, I pointed out that um, obviously a Wigan kebab, so a meat pie on a bread roll, is the best sandwich. <laughs> um, you know, all high level. Well, this was my favorite one. Peanut butter and jelly is the best sandwich. So I typed in, what's the best sandwich into Google? I scrolled for hours and hours through Google image search of the world's best sandwich and did not see one picture of a peanut butter jelly sandwich. So I declared myself a winner. I won Discord that day. <laughs> and we all know how, Ch how Chris likes to win his uh, his arguments that he creates. <laughs> I didn't create it. That was Matt. It's his fault. Oh. And yeah, and then Matt said that Duke is the best talent. So I just showed him how wrong he is. You know, like Wedge, Wedge with Duke, pretty crap. Fenray with Duke, pretty crap. Blackout with Duke, pretty crap. All of these ships that don't have evade actions can't use Duke, but you can still take it. And if it's the Nothing best talent, you. yeah. Nothing stopping you. So there you go, Matt. You should probably leave for Discord and we. <laughs> like, we're done. He's kidding. He's uh, kidding. Unless, no, you, you played Squadrons with us here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, and painting. Um, yeah, we we had some Battletech being painted by Scott. I know. I saw yeah. that. I haven't even thought about Battletech in like a decade. That was a cool set. That was a cool one. Yeah. People painting the dial covers and uh, some ships. First time touching paints and took our advice. Both Ed and myself weighed in. 
had some disagreements. We did. Came to some good advice, you know, just like, it's like you're on the podcast, only it's better because you don't have to listen to us. You just have to read it. <laughs> you, have to, you don't have to wait for two hours to get to the juicy good bits. <laughs> yeah, you can just scroll down. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I think I really like Discord at the moment. I think it's a really good tool for surviving the current world we live in, um, especially if you're in the UK as well. Um, obviously lockdown starting up again over there for mm-hmm. large swathes of the country. So um, there are people in multiple time zones. Uh, so, you know, there'll be people for you to talk to. Feel free to jump on in. And uh, one thing I was going to start up, I've not done a post about it yet. Um, so Ed's probably going to be on board for this, but I, and this is full on just stealing stuff from the crates because um, it's a good idea, but I'm going to modify it for our tastes. But I was thinking about doing a, a Discord painting group Ooh. where we like, pick a, a crappy movie that you don't have to watch and I'll stream it through Discord and we can all hang out and chat with a movie on in the background and paint. Oh, that works. I'm on board. Yep. I'm just totally do, there. Do stuff that everyone's already seen and uh, you know, you don't have to watch. You just so like this is a, a definitely an in-focus kind of episode, but like the things you put on while you paint. I used to watch like Band of Brothers or Gladiator, or just those ones where you just you get those iconic lines and you know you can picture in your head what's happening so you don't have to actually oh, focus on it. You're giving away the whole topic. I I've got so many I could hit on this one. I have yeah. my go-to standbys, but I'm 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 not going there. We're gonna save that yeah. for a show. Yeah, um, so I will probably start that up. I, I'm going to be I'm going to be doing it tomorrow because I've got some painting to do. And one of my friends from the UK um, was asking if we could hang out and just chat. So he's already in the Discord. So I'm going to throw on a movie and we're going to chat and paint tomorrow. But by the time you hear this, that'll have already happened. So yeah. what time is that? that gonna, um, I've not decided yet, but it'll be. Um, Probably one o'clock your time, I'd imagine, ish, around about then. Because I'll keep an eye out. Obviously, he's seven out. He's five hours ahead of you. So yeah, I'm not sure okay. when I'm going to sit down and paint, but I do need to get like the bulk of my painting done tomorrow. Yeah. It's four models, and not literally, legitimately, all the silvers on them. I just need to do wash. I need to do golds. I need to do my blues. A couple of other colors. Uh, base and done. I should be able to get it done. Um, so I do have news Uh-oh. on a giveaway that we are going to hopefully be able to do in the near future. I'm hoping we can do it for Christmas uh, on the Patreon page. So I commissioned some Dice Hate templates. Oh. With a oh. template tray. Oh. So um I'm talking to um, um, to see if it's something we can make available for purchase or something like that, because it's realistically too expensive for me to give away um, like one to every patron like I have been with the tokens and stuff. But I ordered an extra one to because uh, I want I wanted to set templates for when I make YouTube videos because I'm currently using my crate lifestyle templates that I got when I did the, the 10k run thing that they did. Um, so the only way you could get them was if you did a 10k run, you were eligible to buy them. So I did that. So we could do a similar kind of thing and make them available for patrons to purchase, I believe. But I 
as a test of the theory, I'm going to look at giving a template tray away to one of our patrons. So um, I can't show you yet because it hasn't arrived, but it's a dice logo um, and a template tray. And then the other side of them is the line and the, um, like the speed indicators of the moves and stuff like that. So that's really um, cool. I think so. But I'm hoping they arrive before Christmas so we can give them away on our Christmas show. But we will see. You can play Santa um, first. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, I'm probably actually going to hassle Alan. So hi, Alan. Um, I'm going to probably message you at some point when I keep forgetting uh, about getting someone else to do our lack of focus tokens that I wanted redesigning because uh, the guy I've been do, doing with who I work with in Calgary um, didn't renew his, um, I don't know, license, whatever it is that lets him use the laser cutter and stuff in the university in Calgary. So he said he, he can, can do it at some point, but like, I've been waiting for like nine months now, it feels like, since basically since the start of the year, and there's been no progress. So whilst I have some acrylic left, I would rather just write that off as a loss and start again to actually get these tokens done so we can send some more out because I don't want to keep people waiting because it feels a bit shitty on my end that people are still supporting us and um, I can't give them this little thing back. So. So I might hassle Alan about that. You know, he also played Squadrons with us. He's currently playing Among Us right now. I'd playing Among <laughs> Us right now without you. I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I, I'm sleepy. So, and he he played D and D with us as well. I actually need to see if I can write in a, another point where we could do another guest and get another patron on for us. But I'm not felt comf- at a comfortable point in the story where it would fit in without feeling too forced. So yeah, uh, that's probably, if you ever actually make it to the next town, that'll probably happen then. Oh. I know Alan wants to come back on, so we'll uh, we'll see if anyone else wants to do it. But if not, Alan can come back and give us a repeat performance, but with a different character. I think, we, I think whatever game we move on to next, I think we should try to rope Alan into it. I think he was a good fit. <laughs> oh, we've got to give everyone a chance, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. He can uh, do a passing visit as Gork for, for you. As you, can, can. you can have him play Arena. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I've got too many plans for Arena when she kills you all. Well, yeah, and, um, you can work this plan. Yeah. That way you don't have to focus on her. You can focus on Arena. He focuses on that end. Um, and then what uh, else? Uh, yeah, so um, Patreon, I did upload some more content to a Patreon page. Um, there is lack of focus podcast on patreon or you can support dice patreon if you prefer just a monthly bill uh, rather than a per episode again if you do do the lack of focus one i always like to tell people how to give us less money you just make sure you set a monthly maximum so that it can never go above that generally it's two episodes a month because we release every two weeks um you can email us if you have any questions or feedback want to just shout at me for being terrible uh, tell me all the stuff i got wrong that is lack of focus podcast at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Facebook, lack of focus podcast on Facebook. Yeah, that's about it, folks. I don't really have much more. I could probably waffle on, but shouldn't. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for this one. I do hope you enjoyed. We did get some of the juicy X Wing bits towards the end, which is the way we like to do it. So, anyway, do hope you enjoyed. And until next time, guys, as always, fly casual.
thank you once again for joining the Lack of Focus X-Wing podcast. Check out Dice Hate Productions for all of the latest episodes, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you again next episode.